Howdy, everyone. Welcome to Live Coffee Break. Uh, what's today? It's Friday. Uh, I don't even know what day it is. It's the 22nd of May on Friday. You're watching Unsafe Space. I'm your host, Carter Laren, and I'm joined by Carrie Smith, who I hope is showing up here. Yeah, she is. She's here. Am I? Hello, Carter. Hi. You're here. Hi. Good morning. I think people like the split screen. They like when we do split screen. Oh, I have to move over if we're going to do split screen. Okay. I'm not, I'm not going to do split screen. <laughs> Screw that. <laughs> that was a boomer moment. Sorry about that. <laughs> anyway, well, hi, Carrie. Uh, I'm also boomering, boomeranging, Tech because boomer. I can't figure out how to get my... Uh... <laughs> oh, there we go. Okay, we're good. <laughs> <sighs> it's such a mess. I move stuff around again. I keep, I keep rearranging stuff, so I don't never know where anything is. I keep pressing the wrong buttons. Oh, well. No one would believe that I actually am a techie. Um, hey, you know something you cool doing, I saw? Speaking of tech, yeah. uh, for people that don't know, our videos, Carter puts them up on BitChute as well. Although I know sometimes they get backed up because there's some automatic feeding issues yeah, and there. Yeah, BitChute is kind of not working very well. So uh, some, yeah, but some, and some of them never make it to Why? BitChute because it doesn't it doesn't work. But anyway. You just retweeted one of our videos, the interview with Marie Busky. Oh, BitChute BitChute themselves retweeted it. Yeah, oh, that's yeah. pretty cool. That's cool. I think they've done that before. I really like them. I just want them to work better than they do. Um, we're also on Library, which uh, that seems to ingest videos pretty well, but I don't think anyone's there. I think BitChute's more popular, so uh, who cares that we're on Library, I guess. I don't know. Carrie. Hi, Ninja. You've got a lot going on. Yeah, there's a lot of people in chat, by the way. Welcome to everyone in chat. Uh, I see Keith is there. Do you remember Romper Room? I see Keith and Carlin and... You've mentioned Romper Room before. I don't. <laughs> I, I I grew up on Romper Room. <laughs> uh, no, but I, you've, you've mentioned it enough. I feel like I lived through it. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm sorry, I'm then. Kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I like it. I like it when you do it. Uh, um. Yes. What did you say? I have a lot going on? There's just been a lot going on this week. There's been craziness. Uh, you uncovered some craziness with uh, the Austin Statesman, which I, which we'll talk about. And um, it it got me thinking that we needed to build some tech. So I've actually, a couple people have volunteered to possibly help out building some tech for us that we want to build. Um, so I, it's just, I feel like the longer that the, uh, the trial period of communism continues the more insane everything just gets yeah but uh, hopefully i think the more people are waking up that's the silver lining you know like i uh i get discouraged sometimes about how bad things are getting but then i think about how many people it's whose eyes are maybe potentially being opened to why it's uh dangerous to pri uh, put this the state over the individual, <laughs> you know, what could yeah. possibly go wrong when you uh, strip away individual rights? Hmm. Wait, did you just send me pictures of you at the library? Is that what I just saw? Yeah. Okay. So I sent these to you because <laughs> you were talking about it. I didn't realize my friend was with me. She was taking photos the whole time. Like I'm Nancy, like I'm Nancy Drew on the case. And I saw these pictures and they're hilarious. <laughs> Well, hold on. I can't. I can't use. I'd have to save each individual one because I don't want to put. They're yeah. on signal, so I don't want to put signal up. But I will. I'll save one of them, so people can see your library experience. <laughs> uh, hold on. So here's 
Here's why that's happening while Carter's doing this. You guys may have seen this. We've been seeing, and feel free to tag us or send us examples of this where you're at, because I know Nicole um, of the Mountain People did uh, in Colorado tagged us in some things. The numbers that a lot of these local governments, um, state governments, the numbers they were working on, the models, are turning out to be severely hyperinflated. And uh, in <laughs> there's a picture of Carrie. There's a picture of Carrie at the library with someone with a ma- is that librarian wearing a mask and gloves and like staying as yeah. far away from you as possible? Yeah, yeah. He's like afraid to hand you the paper. Here's the paper, crazy lady at the library. Yeah, they opened our library up at 25% capacity, and one of our fascist um, city council members was arguing we shouldn't open it up. And Carter was like, don't worry, there's never 25% capacity in the library anyway. <laughs> yeah, no one, there's, 25% is the maximum I've ever seen capacity at any library. I don't think I've seen a library 25% full ever. <laughs> so it's basically just, like, open. <laughs> just, just open. It's just like it's regular, except yeah. they're wearing masks. <laughs> There was probably more people in the library than usual because that's yeah. my friend with me. There. Yeah. Oh, they're going to get up to twenty five percent, are they? <laughs> right. Um, well, so tell what, people about your statesman to... article. Tell people about the the story here. I've got screenshots of like the the drama. So tell people the. I don't know what you want me to show. Tell people the story. Well, um, well, this is just interesting. But we we saw. I I found a. Um, article. And the reason I found it is because I've been really reading up on and learning all about this local council member who I think is very dangerous, who's got a thirst for power now and is really flexing it. And uh, I can talk more about her later if we decide to go there. But um, she shared this article from the Statesman back on April 7th. And it was from the Austin American Statesman, which is our biggest paper in Austin. And um, it said, the headline was, Something like, you know, UT study. There it is. Official UT. I can't read that from here. It says uh, official colon UT forecasts 100,000 coronavirus cases in Williamson County by early June. And just to clarify mm-hmm. what I'm showing here, um, this Carrie will explain why this is. But this is a like screenshot by MSN News, like by Microsoft News of the original article. It's not actually the original article, and Carrie's gonna explain why that is. Yeah, so the Statesman, she shared the original Statesman article, and that was the headline that UT predicts 100,000 coronavirus cases in Williamson County by early June. And then they quote this judge here, uh, County Judge Bill Gravel, and they used this study that predicted 100,000 confirmed cases by June, um, they use this study to justify a lot of the government force, the lockdown measures and whatnot. So we're about a week away from June 1st. And guess how many cases we have in Williamson County? I, I'm proud that I guessed pretty close to the number. Carter said, is it below 1,000? Yeah, 457 as of Friday. So a week, as of a week ago, 457. So well, we need Carrie, to get in about- fairness, rounding up, that's roughly 100,000 cases, right? <laughs> Right. If you, we, if you, I, if you use liberal need, math and round up, it's close. Don't say liberal math. I'm a liberal. Sorry. If, oh, math. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Being <laughs> liberal with the numbers. Okay. Um, well, so I've shared this in a local group. You know, hey, they said 100,000 cases by June. We're currently at 457. 
And the response I got from people was strange. It, it was um, one woman said, well, hey, we're, uh, they're opening everything. We've been, do- we've been doing a slow open here. Everything's going to be open by June 1st. So we'll probably get there. And it's like, uh, we're going to get 99,500 <laughs> cases in a week. Are you kidding me? And she it's said just it about, the floodgates are just about to open, Carrie. Everyone's going to get coronavirus next week. Yeah. And she said it like she wants everyone to. It's a it's a desire to see the world as bad as they thought it was going to be. It's that like that C.S. Lewis quote, which I've read before. I love that quote. It's that quote, quote is about seeing your enemies as bad as possible. But it's it's the same thing. It's a it's a quote about imagine I'm, I'm going to paraphrase it. But, you know, imagine you read a story of filthy atrocities in the paper. And then later on, you find out that the real story was not quite that bad. Is your first response to be relieved that even your enemies aren't as bad as you thought, or is it to, or is your first response a desire to cling to the original story out of a desire to see your enemies as bad as possible? And that's what's happening here. The people who uh, bought into the fear, bought into the paranoia, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them, some of them, like the people responding to me in this local group, they want it to be as bad as they thought it was going to be. And it's it's like what you, I think you gave me the phrase sunken costs. It's like sunken cost theory. It, when anybody invests too much in energy, um, time, money into something, whether that's a narrative like this, or if it's a business or a relationship or a job they're in, it's, there's a, a reluctance to let go of it, no matter how bad or how much of a failure it turns out to be, or in the case of a narrative, how wrong it turns out to be. They don't want to let go of it because they've invested so much. And to have invested all that and feel like it was a waste or it was wrong, psychologically, there's a term for this. Just to yeah. be clear, it's a sunken cost fallacy. You're supposed to recognize that actually you've lost the money already and continuing down the path is just like doubling down on losing is a bad idea. Um, but people tend to do it. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there is, there was a psychologist who weighed in in the thread, um, that I was talking in the local group and I, I forget the term he told me, but he said there's a psychological term for it that it's, um, uh, I think it's something like persistent belief, you know, false persistent belief, but it, but it's just this, you cling to the false belief or relationship or job or or business that doesn't take yeah. off because invested so much. And so well, they, also curious, like, sorry, I just want to, this is related. Yeah. They have done studies. Um, there have been studies about this and I don't have them uh, at the tip of my fingers because I didn't know we were going to go here. But uh, they've been studies where if you hold a belief that is wrong or irrational, um, having evidence presented that demonstrates the irrationality or incorrectness of the belief actually causes most people to double down on the belief rather than give it up, which is uh, horrifying. It's a horrifying statement about uh, human psychology, but nevertheless true. Yeah. He brought that up too, the psychologist in the thread, that actually, and depending on how you present the info, it causes people to double down. It's amazing. But, Keith the Hat Guy so says the term, that, there's one psychological term, is career politician. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, Keith, that's, that's yeah. one of those terms. That's a, that's a technical term. I don't know if we should get that technical on the show, but yes. That's also why, by the way, that, that tendency to double down when people um, see evidence that confronts their false belief, 
that's also why I've always been, as we talked about before, I'm, I'm like, welcome to the party whenever. Don't make people feel like crap because they get to your party late. You know, it's, it's, I, I saw some people doing that when I wrote my first essay about leaving the SJW cult. 99% of the responses were positive, but there were, there was a small sliver of people who were like, oh, I guess we're supposed to give you cookies now. You finally figured out your belief system was wrong. I'm like, I don't expect cookies, but wow, it seems like you don't want me to have figured it out. <laughs> like, I'd like cookies. Aren't you happy? <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyway, that's that's just my thoughts on that. But so we, I shared this article, you know, 100,000 uh, uh, cases by June 1st. We're about 99,500 shy of that. And, uh, and then I realized the link, the original link from April 7th, was dead. It was going to a dead, a dead. It didn't exist anymore. That they pulled the link down, um, and one of the people in my thread found the new, and then you found it. They did a, a completely different link, so you so couldn't they, find they this. They literally four hundred four that link, right? The page is gone. Yeah, they four hundred four the link. The statesman did. But here's the new one. Now, here's the new one, and the, the new one says they changed the figure. They say, or they changed the date. They pushed the goalposts out. They say Williamson County coronavirus cases could reach a hundred thousand by mid August. They change August. it. Same thing. Yeah. And they just went, the, the original piece just went down the memory hole and, but it was mentioned, it was referenced on msn.com. It was referenced, uh, in the local television stations, uh, website. So there are other articles that refer to it, refer to the June hundred thousand by June, but the original statesman link is gone and they put up this new link and they didn't, they never said anything. They didn't issue a correction. They didn't say, Hey, we've updated this or changed it. They just disappeared the old link and put up a new one. This is our big, this is our biggest paper. This is like the mainstream legacy news. This is, you know, I expect a newspaper to tell me when they've made a mistake, especially since people like my city council member were sharing that article that said June, they were sharing it as justification for the way they were voting. So people saw that it influenced votes. It influenced the lockdown and then they change it to August. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, this got, so this got me thinking this has been several. So one of the things that I did was the obvious. I went right to, uh, archive.is or archive.org or whatever the Wayback machine. And I started looking for this old article when Carrie and I were talking yesterday. And of course the, the earliest archive they had of it was of the 404. It was of the page not found. They didn't have any other archives. And I realized that I, I want to just throw this out to this audience. Cause I said it in our telegram chat. By the way, if you're not in our Telegram chat, it's becoming more active, which is great. So go go to Telegram, install Telegram, and, and join the Unsafe Space Telegram chat. But uh, a couple people responded to this request in Telegram. I would like to build. This isn't that hard. I just don't have the time, and frankly, I'm not the right person expertise-wise to do it. Uh, it's not that hard to build a version of the Wayback Machine that only is focused on, let's say, the top 100 newspapers in the U.S., even if it's the top 50 um, newspapers in the U.S., that just takes a daily snapshot of, of the papers and saves it. That's all. We just have to archive the pages so that when there's editing, when they're, they try and ghost articles, when they go and change something, we always have a copy of what they've done. And I'm not – if there's a project out there that already exists, let me know. I haven't seen one. Uh, I've seen ones that are targeted to, like, New York Times headlines, but I haven't seen – I haven't seen ones that do this, and it's actually not that difficult to do. I don't think it actually takes an, an extraordinary amount of storage space if you don't save images. Um, but 
anyway, anyone who knows Python and wants to help with that, uh, or you know, any any tools they think could help, please reach out to us. But we need that kind of stuff because this is this is just the Austin Statesman. I'm sure that every city paper does this kind of stuff. They just ghost articles and they pretend like it never happened or they change stuff and they pretend like it never happened. So we thought I wanted to know we, we wanted to know when they changed it. And if Google, if the Wayback Machine was also a part of changing the record or if they changed it the same day that they published it. So I went that's why I went to the library and I asked to see the papers. And I found it in the April. I found it in the following day. I found it in the April 8th paper and it was and they had changed it to August. So clearly they just did the they did the change online. They published it as June. Later that day, they changed it to August without letting anyone know they changed it. They deleted the link, put up a new link, and then they published it. The second version is what they ended up publishing. Yeah. Um, By but the I way, still Mar think it's not as bad as I thought it was going to be. It's not like they changed it after a few weeks or something. But it's still bad. They still should tell you it's, we've it's, made this It's correction. dishonest. They should say we made an error in our headline. We said August when it should have been June, if that's what indeed happened or something, and we had to correct it. Um Margie in chat, by the way, says Sticks says the Wayback Machine is deleting conservative political results lately. I haven't seen evidence of that, although I haven't seen the Sticks video on it. I will say um, I have seen uh, this, which I meant to mention last week, but I didn't. <clears throat> the Wayback Machine is putting up. Uh, so you know how you know how lots of sites carry our they're they're who police now if you put something up this that runs counter to the covid narrative you get taken down like youtube video deleted or facebook post deleted or article deleted or whatever um wayback machine is now putting a warning on those pages if you find them in the archives they're putting like a a warning that this is false information so they're now starting to editorialize their library catalog <laughs> and say like oh we we captured this page but it was taken down because it's wrong that's why wow. it was taken down. Right. That's not what that we want that you is for way back machine. We just want you to archive the internet the way it looked before things get changed. We don't want your edit editorial. I don't need to know what you think about it, Wayback Machine. Right. <laughs> right. So I it to me that is uh it's not horrible because they're just edit they're just commenting, but it's a step in the direction that um is disturbing, and I wouldn't be surprised if they're starting to just delete stuff. That wouldn't surprise me at all. I could totally see them saying, they can justifying it. Well, the statesman made a mistake. They meant to say blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, we don't want to archive the mistake. Uh, we'll just we'll just archive the, you know, the real thing. By the way, uh, thank you to Keith the Hack Guy. And he sent us a super chat and says, funding kickoff for the unsafe media archive. That I would trust. <clears throat> yeah, I honestly, like, I just want to have... It's a simple project, right? It's like, here's what the paper said two weeks ago. <laughs> like, that's not that hard. It's just a screenshot, basically. Um, more efficiently than a screenshot, but I don't understand why we don't have that. So many people think that they are, so many people consider themselves journalists and like, there's so many large institutions of journalism. If Even if I were the New York Times or CNN, or if I, was, if I wanted to consider myself an institute of journalism and I had millions of dollars this would just be a side project that would offer for free to people and be like yeah well here are some facts everyone know that we'll keep a library of what papers say because that's important but apparently it's not yeah. important to it's literally important to no one because it's not done it's important to what us we're the first people that care enough to do any uh, that's surprising to me but whatever um carrie can we before we move on to uh 
Can we, can yeah. we, if we were talking about 404s, can we share the oh, I, 404 thing I, that you told me about? Yeah, Carter hadn't seen this yet, and maybe some of you guys haven't seen it yet. I, this just cracked me up. Donald Trump's website, if you go to a broken link. Um, we're going to show. Before, we're going to show. We're going to show. Don't don't spoil. No spoiling. I'm just saying, this is the 404 page if you go to a broken link of Donald Trump's website. Yeah, so Kerry showed me this. So here's his website. We're going to do it in real time. We'll see if it's still here. DonaldJTrump.com. <laughs> By the way, if you're like me and you do like you have mixed feelings about this guy, uh, this makes this makes you want to vote for him because he's hilarious. So we're just going to type in, I'm just going <laughs> to type in a URL that doesn't exist. Just some crap. Ready? This is what you get. <laughs> you get a picture of Joe Biden <laughs> with the text that says, it appears you are as lost as I, as me. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> I love this. I don't think this could be any better. I just, I don't know. I, I, this is brilliant. There's just nothing else to say. It's totally good. It's a really good sense of humor. <laughs> yes. Even if you don't like him, don't you? I, I, I challenge anyone who does really doesn't like him if you're watching. Isn't that funny, though? If it's not funny, tell me why in the comments. I want to know why it's not funny. Oh, yeah. I think you don't have to like him like, to appreciate this. This is exactly, so funny. Exactly. That's the point. Humor translates across political ideology, or it should. Good humor. That's really funny. Yeah, I mean, look, I would laugh at Bi if Biden came up with something like this that mocked Trump in a way that was, you know, funny. Totally, totally would laugh at it. Uh, and instead, Biden is just confused, which makes this funny. Uh, yeah, if you it, like, it's just funny. It's just funny. It's so silly. It's so it's kind of it's like it's also I like it because it's just silly humor. <laughs> yeah, you know what? My wife says that I. For she th she think I've never thought that I liked stupid humor, but she's started to make a pretty good argument about stuff that I enjoy. That she's like, you just have the streak of watching. You just like dumb stuff. You carry. You got me to <laughs> watch. What do we do in the shadows or whatever that stupid oh, show? Oh gosh, I I love that show. I don't know why. It's just dumb. <laughs> it's stupid humor, and she can't even stand it. She's like, I don't. You, you, there's something wrong with you, American son. <laughs> What we do in the shadows, if you guys haven't seen it, it's pretty funny. <laughs> it is. It is funny. Uh, and uh, I think it was someone someone in, uh, someone in, on our YouTube channel said something about Monty Python stuff, which I always love. And she doesn't think Monty Python is as awesome as it is either. Python is so good. Yeah. yeah I love I Silly. I mean, I love Pee Wee Herman's Big Adventure, which I keep mentioning because I'm hoping you're going to watch it eventually. <laughs> I know. I'm really resisting that one. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Carrie, oh, uh, should we move on to a topic mm -hmm. <laughs> that's not well, Pee-wee? Um, I've got a surprise topic. I know we have things we talked no, about yesterday. No, that's fine. It, it, you do a surprise topic. Did you see, I just saw this this morning, that uh, Joe Biden was doing a radio interview. And in the interview, he said that if if you're considering voting for Trump, then you're not really black. It was a black radio show. Oh, it not a oh, show I, I saw someone yeah, quote that, but I didn't realize it was Biden. Biden said yeah. that? Oh. Biden said, if you're considering voting for Trump, you ain't black. He said you ain't? Um, he said you ain't. I think it's almost like the, when um, AOC adopted a fake black accent, the kind of pandemic. Y'all ain't Southern, thing. said Joe Biden. Yeah. Yeah, then you ain't black. Um, I think, so th this is just, I, I saw some black conservatives sharing this. Um, 
I, I, I just had one comment on There's not a lot to say about it other than this is predominant in the SJW left. When I was in SJW oh, for 20 years, I believed something that now from the outside looking in, it seems hard to imagine if you've never been in that, if you've never been in that belief system, it might be like, that's weird that you didn't see that. But, you know, I was taught, I believed that your race and your sex and your sexuality dictated your opinions. And that, that if you were a woman or a black person or a person of color or a gay person, and you were not, if you did not um, subscribe to the SJW leftist beliefs, that you were somehow a traitor, um, that you were self-hating, that you were uh, stupid. You know, I believe they have, they, they basically tell you to write these people off and really focus hatred on them. And, um, and it never occurred to me for a long time that <laughs> it's so obvious now, of course, but it never occurred to me that saying that your race or your sex or your sexuality dictates your opinions is collectivist and it's racist. It's a little racist. It's sexist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just very a little racist. Bit. Just a little racist. It didn't occur. It doesn't occur to you because I was trying to re untangle it so I could explain it to people who weren't have, have never held that belief. First, they get you to accept the first, they have to get you to accept that there's two camps, the good and the evil. And, and that the evil are the Republicans and that that racism and sexism are solely owned by the Republicans. They get you to believe that first, which is ridiculous. Right. Racism and sexism, they don't know any political bounds. You, you can be a racist. You can have racist beliefs or sexist beliefs and be on the left or the right. It doesn't matter. But they get you to believe that it's owned by. And once you've accepted that, that that racism and sexism is owned by this party, it is this party, then it is easier to get you to believe and speak racist and sexist things like the belief that your race and sex dictates your opinion. Um, this is one of the reasons, by the way, that they really want to eradicate the history of the Democratic Party and like the KKK was the militant arm of the Democratic Party and they they really want to erase all the history of the Democratic Party precisely because of what you're saying. They want all racism to go to the Republicans. That's the... Yeah. Yeah, it's very strange how they do it. It is very cult-like. It's it's still hard for me to wrap my head around it, wh why I was able to believe that and ha how I didn't see that obvious fact for so long. Um, but they all, this is also why they conveniently try to change the definition of words, and they're trying to get us all to accept these new definitions by which racism uh, is impossible <laughs> towards a specific race of people. What could go wrong there, guys? Or uh, sexism right. is impossible towards men. Oh, what could happen there? Uh, maybe that's not a good thing to teach people, but that's what the, that's why they change those definitions. Well, and it's it's like uh, to to me, it, it's funny to me, right? Think of like, okay, if you say. All black people like fried chicken and watermelon. You are making a racist uh, stereotype. It's a racist stereotype to say that, which I, I would agree with. That is a racist stereotype, right? But if you say all all true black people like Obama, <laughs> why is that different? Why is that any different? Or yeah. as we've seen social justice warriors say, all all true black like black people can't show up on time. That's not racist. Apparently, SJWs uh, say this. Yes, they. Yeah, no, this. I'm not saying it. I'm just saying like they say all these things that are actually much more offensive than saying than ascribing a particular food preference to a race. 
it's much worse to ascribe like particular belief systems or capabilities of punctuality to a race. But these are things that the left does. Um, yeah. And uh, but fortunately, Carrie, we have this is our favorite. My favorite black man can tell us what it means to be black. <laughs> this man here, Joe, Joe Biden. Biden. Yeah. Uh, it's so offensive. It's like men who Nicole pointed this out and uh, it's like men who tell women that they're, you know, a traitor to their gender. It's like, dude, <laughs> you're a man telling me that I'm not that I'm a internally misogynist woman. Like, what are you even on about? Like, but they don't see it. They, they really don't. And uh, yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing. It's amazing. So, um, I, I I assume you saw this as well. I'm sorry, I didn't. I don't. I assume we can move on from racism, Joe Biden, because uh, it was a small. By the way, well, I just want to point yeah. out something. Tara oh, okay. said. Tax Tara says, except all Southerners like fried chicken and watermelon, regardless of skin color. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, is it? That's all good old boys. So that's racist. It's oh, all Southerners. Yeah. We, I mean, it's true. A lot of the stereotypes about food preferences about black people are just actually, I think, more accurate about Southerners in general. Right. <clears throat> that would make sense. Um, Carrie, I, I assume you've seen this, but, uh, and, you know, we don't have to get into too many details of it, but have you seen the drama with Mikey and Blair that's been happening? It's, it's pretty disturbing. Yes. Yes. Can I give a little recap of please, it or do you want to do Please give it? a recap. Go ahead. So for anybody who doesn't know, uh, Blair White is a really popular uh, YouTube commentator, and um, I think she's been doing some opinion pieces too, who's transgendered, but she's uh, uh, not not in the SJW cult. She speaks out against SJW ideology, and which makes her, you know, what I lovingly call a wrong thinker. Um, And and she's a part of Walk Away, uh, which our friend Mikey Harlow is also a part of. Mikey, who's been on our show before, is um, also a wrong thinker who happens to be gay. And like we were just saying, they feel an ownership over black people, gay people, trans people, women. They feel an ownership over anyone who um, is in one of what they call a marginalized group. And, And if you don't speak their religion, their ideology, they hate you more than they hate straight white men. And so, um, Blair, uh, because they, they say all these horrible, hateful things about wrong thinkers, and they've been saying them about us. I have screenshots where they've been calling us alt-right, by the way, which is, hey, if you're watching, we are not an alt-right channel, and I don't. there's no way an unbiased person could come away from any of our podcasts speaking that if they know what the words alt-right mean. Like, that's ridiculous. But um, anyway, they uh, not to go off on a tangent— they say all these things. They call Mikey and Blair uh, uh, white nationalists, alt-right, uh, uh, white supremacist, uh, Nazi. Um, but because there's no evidence of those things, they've now started faking, faking evidence. So they did some fake DMs on Instagram. They tried to make it look real as if Blair White was privately messaging someone and using racist slurs, using the N-word and um, they tried to make it seem like that was actually a message of hers, which it wasn't. Um, and and then Mikey. And wait, just to hold on, just to be clear with the Blair White one, they didn't. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a. It wasn't a completely lame fake. They went to the extent of trying to make a video that showed them yeah. scroll and move over. It wasn't just a screenshot fake. They really tried to make it look. 
look convincing. real. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then they, they did, they did it the same thing to Mikey cause he defended her. They did one for Mikey that, um, tries to make him look like a pedophile, like where he, they faked him saying stuff about underage kids. And I'm not going to go into the details of any of them because it's not worth it. Cause they're both fake and lies, but the, but you're right in that the technology, like it's going to get easier and easier for these um, opponents of truth, opponents of um, anyone who criticizes the SJW faith to fake stuff. It, it's just the same way they fake hate crimes. I, I, I it makes me furious because they, they have, they know what they're saying about Mikey and Blair is false because. And they, because they're having to manufacture fake evidence. So how do you do that as a person? And you don't have any integrity. How do yeah. you function in the world being that kind of a liar, being that yeah. kind of a, a hateful destroyer? Um, I, I just, I don't understand. I don't understand these people. But what really bothers me is they're the ones who are faking these messages because, uh, you know, just like faking hate crimes. But then, the, the, just like with hate crimes, what really bothers me are the masses of people who believe it, who spread it around. There are people spreading it around because they want to believe this about Mikey and they want to believe this about Blair. They already believe it. Do you know what I mean? Like the people calling us alt-right, if somebody faked a message from one of us that had Which will happen crazy shit someday. stuff in it, yeah. it will happen someday. Um, they will believe it and they will share it and they won't, they won't even take a second thought to like, was this fake? They won't even listen to what what we have to say about it because they want to they already believe it in the absence of evidence they believe it so when somebody fakes evidence then they're like hey it's finally here the evidence we've been <laughs> that we had to make <laughs> yeah and and uh so the, one of the things that's disturbing to me about it is like the <clears throat> the person who faked the blair white stuff they made this video and and to prove that it was fake someone had to actually um do a kind of almost like a frame by frame analysis. They pulled it into uh, video editing software. They had they they demonstrated that the, that the way that the video was made that's not how Instagram swipe works when you swipe from messages to detail or something like it was it was extensive enough and it's completely within uh, the realm of plausibility that someone could do a better job next time. Uh, faking the video of it and it will yeah. like you will never never no, like be able to prove that it's fake it, there will i mean even now you could never prove that something was fake unless they screw up uh it's totally possible yeah. to make something that is is for which you have no defense and i we really you know need to sucks? mature get mature as a culture to not uh, to take all of this digital imagery with a grain of salt, because it's if 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 it goes against what you think of that person, it's probably not real. Go ahead. Uh, Margie in chat says, once they target you, they'll do anything. Media yes. Matters came after me when I was still a journalist, and it was bad. Threats against my children, address posted, pics of my house, etc. Margie, I'm sorry you went through that. And yes, you reminded me. Uh, they doxed Mikey. They put Mikey's home address online. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't have Mikey's not some celebrity with lots of money to hire private security or to hire a lawyer. I mean, I yeah, I want to see him sue, too. But, you know, that costs money that it, he's they're going after people. It's it's uh, it's they're trying to emotionally and financially 
cripple and punish wrong thinkers, but they're also trying to set an example to others so that you can look at what's happening to Mikey and Blair and decide it's not worth it. I'm not going to speak. You know, right. I don't want to be a target. Right. It's, it's despicable. And you know, the only, the, the sad thing about fighting this is the only real defense. I mean, you can, you can try and go to court if you want, but if you really just step back for a moment and think about living in a world where the court systems are used for that kind of stuff constantly is just, it's, it's frightening. The only way to really solve this is to have a culture in which people don't believe stuff like this. They don't, they don't believe it and share it around unless there's some like, you know, if, if Blair says something on a live stream in front of a million people, Sure, believe it, but um, you know we have a culture in which uh, people just want to believe this stuff, and they're willing to eager, eager to spread fake information around. And if that's what the culture you've got is, it's it's like uh, it's an up it's an uphill battle to constantly be fighting it with lawsuits. I mean, you could do it, but it's going to be expensive as hell. Um, and yeah, you can argue that, well, we'll set a precedent and they won't do it anymore, but you know what? As soon as that precedent is sent, they'll use it against you because you said something about someone that was kind of true. Like this is, this person's a jerk and they'll be like, well, that's disparaging. Whatever it is, like it, it, it just, it becomes almost this unsolvable, messy, messy problem. And you just, you need a culture in which people look at that and kind of dismiss it out of hand and like, shut up, stop faking crap and be done. Right. But, but Carter, I, I, I probably disagree with you to, a little bit on this because sure. I'm more of the opinion that if you have the ability and what they are doing under the law is libel or slander that you should sue. If you, if you can afford to, not everybody can afford to, but if you are libeling me, it's different than saying, I don't like her, she's stupid, she's dumb, whatever. She, uh, Somebody called me a horrible woman. Uh, okay, whatever. But if somebody libels me about something like a character assassination and says I'm uh, a white supremacist or uh, like they're, they're calling Mikey a pedophile, like I, well, that's so libel. I guess there's some – I would say that there's some nuance here, right? Um, calling calling someone a white supremacist is, is that – that definition would then need to be defined by a court. And by the SJW definition, if you don't vote for Obama, you're a white supremacist or whatever. Like they could just, the definition is is very open-ended and they just, they use it for, for anything. In Mikey's case, so actually in both cases, he, here's where I think there could be a legal, again, not as a lawyer, but like where I could see a, a decent legal argument. Um, in Mikey's case, they claimed publicly that he had been um, actually not, I don't know if they claimed he was convicted, but like at least charged with, formally charged with, uh, child porn, which is just false. I mean, you can look it up in public records. It's just false. Um, so they made it seem like they, and they, with both Mikey and Blair, they faked messages from them. And I think you could make an argument that faking messages from someone is, is distinct from calling them something. Calling him bad names, calling Blair bad names, uh, I don't think I would get behind lawsuits uh, for people calling you bad names. 
faking, like claiming that you said X, Y, Z and faking evidence of it, that seems pretty clearly wrong, right? That, that, that like, not just wrong, but easy to define legally. Did you, did you take software and manipulate this to make it look like, it doesn't matter what you said. You could make it look like Carrie says, I like Nike sneakers. If that's not what Carrie said, you faked the conversation, presented it as true. Um, that seems like, assuming that liking Nike sneakers is somehow defam defamatory towards Carrie, then, you know, that seems like it will be a case, but I don't know. Uh, but that, well, you know, both of those, it's faking the evidence is like accusing someone and faking the evidence are two different things. And faking the evidence is like a separate level of wrong, I think. Yeah, they, by the way, this has been going on for a while. It's just now happening to people we know, like Mikey. But um, I remember when I first started leaving my SJW echo chamber, one of the people that I had been conditioned never to listen to and to just hate without knowing anything about him was Steven Crowder, who's a conservative comedian and has a uh, YouTube show. I think he's on, uh, what's that conservative platform now? CRTV, CRTV. or no. It was oh, Blaze. It, changed. it was Blaze TV, or was it CR and became Blaze? It was CRTV, now it's the Blaze. So okay. he's on the Blaze. Anyway, when I first started leaving my SJW echo chamber, I started following him and a lot of other people who I'd been told I should never listen to just to see what I actually thought. Right. And um, one of the things I saw him tweeting about, this was a year or two ago, maybe two years ago, uh, they, they were deep faking tweets from him back then. He would get booked at a college and then um, students, SJW students and professors, he found a professor who was doing this, would share these fake screenshots of fake tweets of his, like really racist tweets, and say that he tweeted these things, and then get him try and get him shut down from speaking on campus. Right, right. Because they couldn't actually use again, couldn't actually use anything he'd actually said. They faked it, and professors were sending this stuff around. Right, and part of the problem there is like a lot of the people in in power positions, especially at universities, are old fuddy duddies who don't know anything about technology, and so they don't even think that it's fakeable. Like it doesn't even cross their mind that you can fake this stuff. So you show them the tweet and it's like, oh, I guess I guess this is what he said. Um, a couple people are pointing out in chat, like again, I'm not a lawyer, so I, I don't know if these people are lawyers either, but um, Ninja Kitty is saying faking video is malice and Elvacaro of 555 says faking evidence that somebody said something is a clear cut statement of fact. Yes, I agree with that. That was, uh, uh, that's my point. And it involves malice. So they're both using the word malice. I guess maybe malice is, uh, uh, is the standard here. Um, he and Elva Caro says, even in the U S that's going to be as close as you can get to a slam dunk. So, all right, well, maybe there should be some legal action, uh, taken. I know there was some discussion of like legal defense funds in our, uh, telegram. I think there are some legal defense funds for this kind of stuff already. I know Crowder has his half, half Asian lawyer, as he calls him, but I know Bill Richardson. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I know Harmeet Dillon in, in San Francisco takes a lot of these cases on. Um, I have a, one of my friends was um, uh, attacked by Antifa during the Battle of Berkeley, and she's got, uh, she deals with a group of lawyers that does some of this stuff for uh, free or, or reduced costs or something, a pro bono group. So um, they do, they do exist. They do exist. I haven't researched where they are, but such groups exist. Okay. Uh, this is, uh, it's Big been a week. Side. It's been a 
Big sigh. It's, I'm doing the Carter side now. That's what of a doozy of a week it's been. You know what? I don't want to do um, the Carter side, but like people have pointed out to me, I do this sigh where I'm just like, oh, I don't know. Is it an old guy thing? Did I get old suddenly and I need more air for my brain? I don't know what the hell. I don't know, but you give it, it's contagious because I just did it. Yeah. Uh, you know, can we talk about this song? Can we talk about really quickly? There was a gym in New Jersey, uh, Attilus Gym in Belmar. I don't know how you pronounce it. I want to say Atlas, but it's spelled A-T-I-L-I-S, Attilus Gym in Belmar, okay. New Jersey. Um, the owner opened on Monday in defiance of the governor's COVID mandate. Um and there was a video that kind of went viral because it seemed like the cops showed up and didn't do anything. The cops showed up and they said, uh, you're all in, there were protesters, by the way, they're, they're supporting the gym. Um, and uh, the cops showed up and said, you're all in violation of the order. That said, have a nice day, bye, and left. And so everyone was like, yay, and they cheered and they thought this was great. But then the cops came back later and they uh, issued citations to the owners of the gym and apparently started arresting people that were going into the gym um, and then the gym got harassed. This week, the gym's been harassed a lot. Someone put uh, paper towels down their toilet system, so they had to, like, have cost thousands of dollars of damage or whatever. They had to, like, go fix all that. But I talked to the owner of the gym this morning. Uh, I called him up. The gym is open. And, oh, and yesterday, sorry, yesterday the governor threatened that if they open the gym today, Friday, uh, they would be arrested. But I called the gym this morning, and the owner said, uh, I spoke to the owner, and he said, it looks like the cops are done harassing us for uh, today. They're not going to do it. I don't know if we'll get arrested, but they looks like they're just leaving us alone. The gym is open. People are in. Now, just to be clear, the gym's rules are like, they're pretty horrible. It's not like they're even, it's not like they're even flouting the reality of coronavirus stuff. You have to get your temperature taken to come in. You have to leave your mask on unless you're in the middle of a set in the gym, and then you can like put it on your neck and do your set and then put your mask back on. Like it's, That's there's like social, it's a lot of crap that they have That's to so go stupid. through. Right. So that even with all that, uh, the tyrants in New Jersey are trying to shut them down and they have been cited. I think they're suing, uh, they're suing the governor. They have been cited, but as of, you know, about an hour ago when I talked to the guy, no one's being arrested and they think they're getting, uh, left alone, but geez. Good for him. I'm so glad that these some business owners have just started, you know, we're opening. If enough people say no, they can't do anything. Like if enough people stand up and say, done, I'm done letting you rule me. You don't have the right to do this. It's not constitutional and fighting back. Um, speaking of this, the dumb rules with the masks and everything, I, I don't, oh my God, I did your sigh. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! This is <laughs> this is stopping. Um, I need a little clip of I, I Nelson going ha ha on The Simpsons so I can play that to you. Yeah. All right, go ahead. Okay, so here's my thing <sighs> about the mask. Go ahead, Carrie. I don't. Whatever. If you want to wear one, it, it makes you feel better. Fine. I personally think it it's more of um like taking a uh what do you call it a, a sugar pill like you know it's a it just I think it's more of a psychological thing that makes you feel safe. I don't really think it's doing that much to prevent the spread of coronavirus, but I understand if you want to wear it and I don't I don't look down my nose at people for wearing it. I just don't choose to wear one. Um, but what I've noticed is a couple things about the mask and the psychological impact of wearing it. Here in Texas, when I walk around, um, if you're out and about on the square or whatever, normally, 
ever you I say hey to everyone people say hey that's maybe that's a, a southern thing right like I've heard that's a southern thing but you know you're just walking by and you're like hey I kind of feel like it's by. just a friendly thing I mean I, I did that growing up on hiking trails okay. in New York but okay yeah you just say hi as you pass people right not New York City to and, be clear that's not a thing but okay right well so <laughs> the weird thing is that most people I see out and about in the stores it's probably 50 50 here 50 percent of the people wearing masks 50 percent not but out and about, it's maybe maybe only 20% of people wearing masks like outside on the square and stuff. It's a smaller percentage. But those people who wear masks, either it's doing something to them psychologically or or it's the reverse. They already are so fearful and there's something in their personality that is making them wear it. I'm not sure. But I've noticed that the people who are wearing the mask, if you're like, hi, they don't say hi back. They don't even make eye contact, most of them. It's weird. It's like they're um, eyes down, averted. They're not friendly. I'm like, is 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 it something in the psychology of like everyone's a threat, right? Especially if if you're saying hi to them and you're not wearing one. Um, but it's I find it really strange because I'm yeah. so used to here walking around, people being friendly, and even if they're not the first to say hi, when you say hi, usually people are like hi, you know. But they're wearing the mask, and it's just and they're the eye contact thing is bizarre. Um, you know, Carrie, we talked about this. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday. I don't have proof of this, obviously, but I think it's, um, I think the mask affects culture. Um, and what, when you, you were telling me this story, you were saying you were out hiking and people weren't saying hi back. And it, you know what, it immediately reminded me of stories of what it's like to be in, uh, the former Soviet Union. Um, because in the former Soviet Union, you had an environment in which literally every other person was a possible informer. Right. So you couldn't you couldn't ever let your guard down, even your spouse, potentially. Right. Because because if your spouse was caught doing something, they would like, you know, make sure that they informed on you. And that they, like it was it was bad. Definitely your kids, co-workers, friends, everyone. So when you have an environment in which people are set up as the threat and everyone is kind of viewed as a particular threat, first of all, it's very depressing so you don't feel like saying hi to people. Second of all, um, you kind of keep to yourself. You don't make eye contact. You don't want contact with other humans because other humans are generally a threat. And and when you were describing the mask thing to me, that's all I could think of was, this is another version of this. This is like, now they're not threats. So actually, they could be threats because they're snitching because we have set up a Karen hotline in, in New York and other places. Like So there is this mentality in LA. So there is a mentality of you could actually be caught uh, but there's also just this mentality of like, everyone is, you know, nothing's changed over the past couple thousand years. Humans have viruses and bacteria on their skin and in their breath. And when you say hi to people and shake hands or pass them, like you exchange, uh, some bacteria and, and germs. That's, that's what happens a little bit. And that's how your immune system functions, as we've talked about. And so this is like, that hasn't changed, but suddenly we are hyper aware of it. Suddenly we are hyper aware of like, oh, this person has this, you know, could have bacteria and I want to stay away from bacteria. So everyone's a threat. And I think in a world where everyone's a threat, it's, it's a very depressing world. Um, and it destroys social relationships. Um, humans need touch, they need interaction, they need eye contact, they need all of those things, and we're destroying them. And I think, uh, you know, 
once you destroy them in people's will, uh, I think then they actually become easier to manipulate. You can start, you can go further. You can get people to accept the lack of interaction socially. And, uh, you know, I, I don't, I don't think it's just self-selecting. I don't think it's just people who are curmudgeons wear masks. I think it's people got f afraid, the fear worked, they wore masks, and now they are becoming the kind of depressed Soviet state population. Yeah, it is like a conformity. Um, it, it's it's very strange. Uh, and I did want to say something. D default username says, I've found people on my local trails are very friendly and warm. Yes, I've also found that. M the majority of the people outside walking at least where I'm at, are not wearing masks in the outside. Um, and, and most people are very friendly. It's like we're all really excited to see other people out, you know, being normal humans. And so, but the but the maybe 20% of people outside I see wearing masks are much more like closed off and not as, but yeah, it's, it's, it's designed. I think it makes it hard. Somebody, um, Jen said in the chat, it makes it hard to talk when you're in it. And, you know, I was at the grocery store. I've, I'm going to repeat myself. It's hard to read Carter facial expressions too, by the way. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and so the local grocery store here, um, I, I don't, they don't require masks. I don't wear one. Um, maybe half the people do at the grocery stores here. The checkout counter, the, when I was in there a few days ago, they have thick plastic plexiglass. But see, these these new safety regulations are just like the masks. They're all arbitrary, and they're not really doing anything. They're just an illusion of safety. You've got plastic plexiglass and then a big gap in it where I can speak and talk to the t teller and pay her money, and then more plexiglass, and then it ends. And, you know, and then you reach around and get your, you reach around and stick your head on the other side of plexiglass to get your bags now. I mean, what's the diff? Why is it even there? You're reaching, you have to go over there to get them. So why is it there? But, you know, I'm in line and this cashier is talking to me. And first she tells me I'm too close to the other person. I, it's hard to understand her. She's wearing a mask. There's plexiglass. But I, I'm like, oh, she said, so I step back and I wait. Yes. It was like Charlie Brown. And then she tries, when it's my turn, she tries to have a conversation with me and she's like oh, I don't and i'm like I, she's I don't kenny know. on I, south park yeah and i just i just i just said and normally i'm really friendly in the checkout line but I, i'm like i'm not gonna try to i just said i'm sorry with your mask and the all this plastic but i don't know what you're saying just ring me up like it makes it very impersonal <laughs> it makes it very impersonal and i Kudos to her for trying to have that conversation, but I can't tell what the F you're saying. Right. <laughs> so, anyway. And it is, yes, RJ well, Gurman's chat says, Dr. All K this prep no, so, says all this prep is so performative. It is. Uh, my One other quick thing, and just anecdote, another quick anecdote. My, my, uh, my boyfriend was at a, a coffee shop the other day, and he said the employees all had their masks down around below their chin, and they were all talking to each other and, and then they saw that he was standing there a customer was there so they put their masks up and they came over to the register and they were like oh sir you need to put a mask on right. it's like but you were just standing there talking without them i saw you <laughs> right <laughs> now i gotta put one on like what <laughs> yeah well and, and dr k points out in chat like masks are dehumanizing like yeah they are um and and a lot of we communicate a lot through facial expressions and bodily bodily uh, uh movement and um yeah, masks definitely, they definitely limit it. You know, uh, I just want to mention one thing because I know there are some people that are concerned. Like Margie says, I'm not sure if I should wear one or not. I'm in very poor health and haven't left home since it started, but can't stay home forever. 
look, there are reasons for people to wear masks without coronavirus. Like sometimes there are people with health conditions that need to wear masks. And one thing that strikes me about uh, actually Asian culture generally, both in Japan and in China, I've spent a lot of time in Japan in particular, is when people are sick, they wear masks. With like when they have a cold or they have the flu or and they happen to be out or they think they're coming down with something, they wear masks. They wear masks out in public. Um, and we tend to have a culture in which we, I don't know if it, we feel too socially awkward to wear them when we're sick or when we need to. Um, and so we didn't, we don't, we haven't been wearing them for, you know, ever. Uh, but now we've kind of flipped to this culture of like, now we all wear them regardless of whether they matter or not. You should do what you need to do for yourself. If you're, if you have, uh, if you're immunocompromised and your doctor thinks you need to be wearing a mask or whatever, then wear a mask. But most of us don't need to do that uh, unless you're in a state like California where I think most businesses won't let you in if you're not wearing a mask. And But the masks, the requirement for masks are pretty lame. Carrie, did you see the, the Babylon Bee article about uh, Victoria's Secret mask? No. <laughs> what oh. is it? They had, they, had a, uh, it, they had a picture. It was like a silk, it was like a silky mask that... There's like a strap here and then like a strap here. The mouth is completely open. <laughs> and it was like Victoria's Secret unveils their new line of masks. Uh, I don't know if that counts, but you can. Elva uh, Caro in chat said he has a, um, a pl- one of those plague doctor it's al- suits coming. What's a plague coming, doctor you know, mask? The, you know what I'm talking about? That big bird looking. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the bird I'm, thing, yeah. I actually, I love that kind of humor. Now it makes me want to order one of those just so I can walk around the square with like a, t- like a black robe and just a black, like long plague doctor mask. <laughs> that totally counts. That's what you can do, Margie. If, if you need to wear a mask and you want to, but you want to protest the thing, but you have to, for personal reasons, wear a mask, <laughs> do something like that. That's a good idea. Just over the top or walk <laughs> yeah, around and just mock walk it. around in, you know, a hazmat suit, uh, beekeeper. <laughs> uh, I, I also like the. I mentioned this in a previous podcast, but I like the girl that was wearing like a superhero mask, but her, it was just on the eyes and her mouth was. She's wearing like a Batman. <laughs> Does that count? Does that count? It's a mask. It's just I just love silly humor. I went and also one other thing it said. One other thing I saw it said. Uh, it was like a meme that it said felt bored today. So I put on a hazmat suit and walked around the neighborhood spray painting red X's on certain driveways. <laughs> That's awesome. <sighs> uh, this was silly. I don't think anybody that, really did that. That it. Oh, that's a good yeah. thing to do though. That would be fun. Um, you know what this is reminding me of, Carrie? I, di- I just got up for a second because I wanted to get a book because it reminded me of something that uh, this this culture is reminding me of something. So actually, not only our mask culture, but also this thing. Someone posted this in our chat. Let me let me put this up because I won't I won't play the video, but uh, I just want people to be aware of this. Um, so someone posted this in chat. <laughs> there was a Audible ad. It's a it's a it's a benign ad. There's nothing. Uh, there's nothing racy about it. There's nothing weird about it. But uh, Australia, 
Oops. Australia, their advertising watchdog group, I whatever, they probably have some minister of woke ads or whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, they banned the ad because there's a scene in the ad where there's a person that pops out of a refrigerator and their, their description is, I'm concerned that young children seeing Celeste Barber hiding in a fridge will think it's a fantastic hiding place for hide and seek. This is a dangerous message as children have died from hiding in fridges. They are a death trap. So they're banning the ad because, <laughs> because of that. Okay. So this, this, this thing that was posted, together with all this mask stuff, um, reminded me of a passage in a book, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, it's it's not that long, but I'm gonna read it now. This book is by uh, P.J. O'Rourke. Now, P.J. O'Rourke, he's probably oh, he used one, to write for Rolling Stone, right? He used to write for Rolling Stone. He's probably one of the uh, first people that I would say got me to start thinking more rationally about politics. I mean, I don't agree with everything, obviously. I hate having to say that. I don't have to say that. I, but in high school, he has a book called uh, Parliament of Whores, and W-H-O-R-E-S. And I remember being in high school and being shocked that such a book was on our shelves, and it had the word whores in it. And I remember opening up the table of contents, and one of the, one of the chapters says, I'm not going to swear on our podcast, but the, the actual swear is in the chapter. Uh, the chapter says, what the F does the government do all day and why does it cost so goddamn much money? And I was like, oh, that's a really interesting name for a chapter. <laughs> so I, I remember reading the book. So anyway, this book is called Republican Party Reptile. And um, <clears throat> he's going to talk about safety in America. I'm just going to bear with me. It's a little bit long, I guess. He says, this is treason. America was founded on danger. How many lifeboat drills were held on the Mayflower? Where were the smoke detectors in the Lincoln family cabin? Now, by the way, remember, he's like a humorist. So some of this stuff is ridiculous and over the top. Right. So, you know. um, he's a satirist. Right. Who checked to see whether Indian war paint was made with red dye number two? It was the thrilling, vast, wonderful danger of America, which drew people here from all over the world. Spacious skies filled with blizzards and tornadoes, purpled mountain majesties to fall off and fruited plains of snarling animals and armed aborigines. America is a dangerous country. Safety has no place here. In fact, safety has no place anywhere. By the way, he's writing this in like the 90s, early 90s, I think. In fact, safety has no place anywhere. Everything that's fun in life is dangerous. Horse races, for instance, are very dangerous, but attempt to design a safe horse, and the result is a cow, an appalling animal to watch at the trotters. And everything that isn't fun is dangerous, too. It's impossible to be alive and safe. It's very safe to be an inanimate object, but the carbon molecules who are our ancestors chose otherwise. And having once set upon a, <laughs> having once set upon a course of devouring things, we must submit to having other things occasionally attempt to devour us. This is painful, but pain is an important part of existence. No amount of hazard warnings in the back of our hand would keep us from thrusting it into a lion's mouth if that didn't hurt. Lions are in admitted short supply, but the same holds true for whirling Cuisinart blades and oil-burning space heaters. Pain is the body's way of showing us we're boneheads. A child growing up in an excessively safe environment may never learn that he is one, not until he gets married and has a wife to tell him so. Nor can death be avoided. Death is even more important than pain. Death was invented so we could have evolution. The process of Darwinian selection does not work on things that don't die. 
If it weren't for death, we would all still be amoebas, and we would have to eat by surrounding things with our butts. Also, a lack of death would result in an extraordinary number of old people, and the social security system is already overtaxed, overextended. Therefore, it is the duty of every patriotic, moral, and humanistic person among us to smoke, drink, drive like hell, shoot guns, own Corvairs, take saccharin, leave unmarked medicine bottles open all over the house, get in fistfights, start barbecue fires with gasoline, put dry cleaner bags over our heads, and run around barefoot without getting a tetanus shot. But I don't know how long we will be able to continue like this. The forces of safety are afoot in the land. I, for one, believe it is a conspiracy. A conspiracy of safety Nazis shouting, Sieg health! And seeking to trammel freedom, liberty, and large noisy parties. The safety Nazis advocate gun control, vigorous exercise, and health foods. The result can only be a disarmed, exhausted, and half-starved population ready to acquiesce to dictatorship of some kind. I do not know what the ultimate aims of the safety Nazis are, but the prevalence of flame-proof infant sleepwear argues that a totalitarian force is looking to someday use my children as fireplace tongs. Other than that, however, it will probably be a very safe dictatorship without dive bombers, tanks, and huge artillery pieces, which are the only fun things about totalitarianism. Long. Uh, That's good. But, but the relevant. sentiment is... I, you know what? He's he's still alive. I don't know if he's writing about coronavirus stuff, but um, this this is like decades ago. There's there there have you know people recognized decades ago how we were becoming this society of little safety Nazis, warning labels on the side of buckets that say you know don't stick your toddler in upside down in the bucket when it's filled with water or whatever it says right like you can drown you know. Everything has warning labels. Everything everyone gets sued for you know people get sued because. They walk onto your property, slipped and fell, and there wasn't a sign that said sometimes the ground is slippery. Like, whatever it is, um, this is just taken this – is, this is like the – this is the extreme of it. We now have – we now have all the safety Nazis. Like, everyone's a safety Nazi right now. All those Karens are safety Nazis. Everyone wearing a mask voluntarily out, they're all safety Nazis. They're all worried about making a safe environment for everyone, and safety sucks. And, and this is where I agree with PJ. Safety sucks. Safety, like, life yeah. is risky. <clears throat> life is a trade-off. Everything in life is a trade-off. There are risks to leaving your house. There's risks to doing everything. That's what life is made of. It's your job as an individual to measure those risks and weigh the risks as, as you see are appropriate and take, them as, take the risks that you think are appropriate to you. It's not anyone else's business. And if you want to just be safe, I guess we should all just be locked in padded rooms and that would be, that would be safe. That was my, I just sent you, no, it was very appropriate. And it made me think of, I don't know if you have uh, revisited any George Carlin recently. I have Have you revisited? Okay. I just sent you a link. We'd have to watch the whole thing, but open it up. You're going to like this. All right. I opened it up. Um, Do you want me to, yeah, (laughs) you want me to attempt to play this? I want you to do the magic. Make it work. Do the magic to make it work. All right. Well, I am a little bit concerned about copyright violations, so let's be careful here. Uh, here's the magic. We'll play like... Oh wait, I don't even hear it. Do you hear it? I can't hear it. Maybe because my sound is off. Let's try it with sound on. It's just one more way of reducing your liberty and reminding you that they can fuck with you anytime they want, as long as you put up with it. As long as you put up with it. 
which means, of course, any time they want. Because that's what Americans do now. They're always willing to trade away a little of their freedom in exchange for the feeling, the illusion of security. What we have. Right, sorry, I'm on a pause because I don't want to get that copyright. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's absolutely right. And this was something that happened after. Um, oops, I, that's other stuff I want to talk about later. Um, he. Uh, this was a, this is the thing with the post 9/11 stuff and the TSA crap. They 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 make you go through all these. I think actually someone even I think a, 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 an official even admitted this. I don't remember. I don't have the official's name or quote in front of me. But I, if I recall, someone even admitted this. The point of the TSA isn't to actually make things safer. It's to make you feel safer. That's that's all it is. It's just to make you feel safer. Um, it's always to make you feel safer because, you know, they can't offer you anything really but the feeling of safety. So that that's what they're selling. Um, and they're selling it because they're hoping that the feeling of safety will be enough for you to give up your, your freedoms. Ooh, we have a super chat from Kent. A new for Chuck. Kent says, truth over facts, troll? I'm not sure what that means. Oh, Maybe there's a troll in the chat who I, I've only been, it's moving fast today, so I've only kept up with a little bit of it. But I'm not sure what that means, but thank you, Kent. Yes, thank you, Kent. Um, I don't know what it means either, but. Uh. Yeah. But yeah, George Carlin, that bit, if you guys haven't seen it, somebody asked if it was the seven dirty words one. No, it's a different one. It's actually amazing to watch it now because um, <clears throat> he's talking about this illusion of safety and government regulations that make you feel safe, but where you're giving, you're trading a bit of freedom. And he starts talking about viruses as well. Like he really, it's a very applicable bit to today, to what's going on today. And uh, Margie said that he was actually talking about Republicans in that bit. I don't recall. Uh, he probably. probably was though, because yes, like Margie says, everything has flipped since Carlin. Yeah, everything's flipped. We are living in the upside down. We've said this a lot before. It's, it's, um, I, I used to be, uh, concerned about the overreaches of the fundamentalist right. And now I'm very concerned about the overreaches of the fundamentalist left. I oppose authoritarianism and fundamentalism, no matter if it's on the right or left. And we happen to be living in a time where it is predominantly coming from the left now. That's why, you know, I don't view it as me having changed so much. Yes, I left my old ideology. That was a huge change. But in terms of my core liberal beliefs, like classically liberal beliefs, have stayed the same. And um, what's weird to me is people who've people who uh, on the on the left who used to oppose or or still oppose authoritarianism and fundamentalism and, and an overreach of power, overreach of government when it comes from the right but seem to be blind to it when it's coming from the left. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, by the way, I did, so uh, Kent Onufertruck sent, I don't actually know about this, so I don't know if he wants us to talk about it, but I'm going to bring it up because it looks interesting, and uh, we won't cover it because I haven't read it, but uh, apparently there's a Truth Over Facts website that the Trump campaign put up to make fun of Joe Biden I guess at one point, <laughs> Joe Biden said uh, at one point, everybody knows who Donald Trump is. Even his supporters know who he is, Biden declared. We got to let him know who we are. We choose unity over division. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. Uh, so I guess Trump is kind of trolling him. And I don't really know about the website, but uh, as would That's be expected, really the media doesn't get it, of course. So 
yeah. Carrie, um, we, we can look at it. We can look at it later. Uh, cool. Carrie, can I... Can I talk about economics for just a minute? I know you. I know economics. Oh, let me put on my economics hat. Hold no, wait. On. Can you just put on put on glasses that make it look like your eyes are open, so you can fall asleep behind, and I'll still think you're paying attention. Can you? Do you need a minute to go get those? <laughs> and just mute yourself so we don't hear snoring. Okay, let's talk about economics. I'm just ready. a minute. Just for a minute, because I. I there's something weird going on, and I want people to be able to see it. Uh, and it's actually quite easy to see if you look for it. So um, I'm going to show you some stuff. So just just as a reminder of where we are in, in the economy, in the state of the economy right now, um, we are at, what, 38 million? The jobless claims are at 38 million. Um, we had another 2.4 million announced yesterday. Uh, so if you look at this chart, let's just take a look at this chart and it's jobless claims. Um, just let's zoom out to like five years. Look at, look at the jobless claims. Nothing, 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 bam, right? Look at the max, right? So clearly something's going on with jobless claims here, right? And these are the number of filed. This isn't like current unemployed because it goes back down here because the number of filed that have gone down, but the, the number of unemployed is still extremely high. I think we're, I think we're basically at historic highs or if, if, or closer at or above historic highs. We're, we're, we're historically this is horrible. We've got 38 million people. Uh, roughly, I think, I think there's roughly 100 million uh, working age adults somewhere around there. So our jobless claims are huge. Stanford University did a uh, study uh, estimating that they think about 42% of the layoffs that have happened so far with the coronavirus will be permanent. Permanent. All right. So, okay, so the economy, you'd think the economy is doing bad, right? This, this should be horrible. I just want to show you something. Where is it here? I can't, I can't even find it, but we're just going to do it. I'll just do it real time. Oh, here it is. Here's the NASDAQ. Here's the NASDAQ 100. Now, look, the NASDAQ is uh, tech-focused. It's non-financials are in the NASDAQ, but, you know, it's a measure, it's a measure of the market. Look at the year to date for the NASDAQ. Let's look at the year to date. So 2020, January 6th is the first day that's clicking here. The NASDAQ opened at 8713 and closed at 8966. Today, right now, it's up. It's up from the beginning of the year. Since Jan That means since January 1st, all this crap has happened during this year. I mean, look what's happened this year. All this stuff has happened. Well, I mean, remember the stuff before coronavirus. We had North Korean issues. We had threats with Iran. We had the, we've had like massive stuff happening. And now the coronavirus stuff. The NASDAQ is up. Investors feel more confident in these companies than they did on January 1st. You've got to be kidding me. With 38 million people unemployed, the NASDAQ is up. That makes absolutely no sense. Now, by the way, the Dow and the S&P 500, they're both down a little bit, but they're not down much. The Dow is at levels that you saw um, maybe back in 2017, 2018. The S&P 500 is at levels that you saw, you know, maybe 2019 levels. 
So what you're seeing here, this should strike you as odd. Just You don't have to be into finances at all. You don't have to be into, into uh, economics at all. You should look at this. Just zoom out at a high level and go, wait a minute. We've been shut down for like, <laughs> that feels like a couple months. I don't know how long now. Completely shut down, many places. Completely shut down for a couple months. We have massive interruptions to global supply chains. We've got the largest unemployment in history. And the stock market seems to be kind of doing okay. What the hell is that all about? That You should ask that question right away. You should be, you should be asking yourself, why is this? Why? How could this? possibly be true um and the answer is um, okay, oh, wait can i do a naive guess as someone yeah. who as you know i'm very i'm way out of my element when it comes to economics and but my naive guess could it be the uh huge bailout that we did <laughs> right so that's that's what i would guess that's what i would guess okay. so here's the thing and, and this is what really is going to piss me off um we're going to see Small businesses are, are getting wiped out left and right. And we're going to see at, from the end of this thing, we're going to see the emergence of uh, f fewer large businesses. So the small businesses that aren't getting wiped out are likely getting acquired uh, by larger businesses. So, um, and you know, this is easy to see in something like retail, right? Uh, you know, you can't go, you can't go buy clothes. Uh, at the clothing shop down the, down the street, but you can buy them at Amazon or Target or any place it's allowed to be open. This is obvious. So any, anyone who's got diversity enough to be able to sell um, products that are deemed quote, essential can stay open and sell their products as well. Um, also, and we've talked about regulatory capture, regulations helping big companies, all that kind of stuff. Um, so you're going to see that. You're going to see. You're going to see after this whole thing is over. You're going to see. Fewer large, fewer companies and larger companies. That's where you get, Jeff Bezos may become the first trillionaire uh, because of this, right? And of course, they're going to blame they're going to blame capitalism. Uh, this has nothing to do with capitalism. It has to do with, as Keith the Hat Guy points out in his super chat. So thank you, Keith the Hat Guy. Keith has the answer. Fed printed trillions, so the market is up. So here's what's going on. And it just, you know, for the for the regular person, the little guy or whatever out there, just working, doing his thing, doesn't have, you know, not running a hedge fund on Wall Street. Let's understand this for just a moment. The Fed, so by the way, not only is the Fed printing money, they are also now, the Fed is buying corporate bonds, I believe, which is not even in their charter. It's illegal, but no one's going to pay attention to them. They don't care that it's legal. It's fine. So <laughs> they're just, they're just getting away with it. So the Fed... They're, they're, they're creating trillions and trillions of dollars. That money, it has to get into the economy somehow. It doesn't, it doesn't just like, imagine, imagine having a trillion dollars in your, in a very large briefcase. Imagine having a trillion dollars. Like, what do you do with it? How do you get it into the economy? Where do you put it? Well, it starts at the top. It gets into large companies and banks. It get the connected oligarchy the cronyists, they get the money first. It goes to prop up the stock market. And if you listen to uh, what they're saying, they are explicitly trying to prop the stock market up. They are, the Fed is saying like, well, we, we don't want this. No. Why should the stock market stay up? The stock market staying up, all they do, that saves investors, right? That saves banks. It saves 
the, we'll say, white-collar class with big savings, it doesn't help the person on the street. And what happens when they print this money is the effect of that... So technically, technically inflation is just printing of the money, but no one uses that term anymore. Technically, inflation is just expansion of the money supply. But now when people say inflation, what they mean is price inflation. So what they're doing right now, price inflation has to enter somewhere. This is where it's entering. This is price inflation. The NASDAQ is not more valuable than it was on January 1st. The dollar is less valuable. And it's happening first in the NASDAQ. You're first seeing it in the stock market. Rich people first get the effects of this. They get their prices, the prices of companies, the prices of uh, corporate bonds. They get inflated first. They can sell and take that money out now. Later, that will be the price of bread. Later, that will trickle down to lower levels. So there's higher order goods and then there's like consumer goods. This is a high, stocks are like a very high order good if you want to think of them that way economically. It will trickle down to consumer goods, but it takes time to trickle down to consumer goods. And you are getting, they are telling you that we need to print this money. We need to prop up the economy. You're getting a piddly ass 1200 bucks in the, in the mail. Right, it costs you ten thousand dollars, by the way. Uh, if you divide how much they spent by the number of people who got checks, you got a tenth, basically, of what uh, your check was. Or sorry, your check was basically a tenth of what it cost you. The rest of that money is going to this. It's going to prop up. I'm pointing it to a monitor over here. You guys can't see. <laughs> pointing to the Nasdaq. It's going to this. It's going to prop up the stock market. It's going to prop up large corporations. That's what it's doing. And make no mistake about it, this has nothing to do with capitalism. This is not capitalism. When this fails, when this causes havoc, they're going to come out of the woodwork. They're going to blame capitalism. They're going to say the government has to save us from ourselves. It's got to say, look, look what capitalism did. Oh, no, small businesses went bankrupt. Oh, no, prices are high. Oh, no, people can't get jobs. And they're going to blame capitalism. And they're going to say... We need more government control. More government's got to come in and help. Government's going to create jobs. Government's going to do this. Government's going to do that. This is an oligarchy. They're, they're building an oligarchy in front of you. It, Go ahead. But it started with government control is the reason why this is happening. It always starts with government control, Carrie. That's the Us dirty secret. Companies so you're saying prices, you're saying the stock market's up and eventually this is going to trickle down to prices of other things like the price of bread, for example. Yeah, is that's that, what happens. Okay, so this is making me think of, uh, uh, my fellow's reading this book about the French Revolution right now, and I peeked at the beginning of it. But you remember how Marie Antoinette famously said, let them eat cake during the I thought that was the shortages. governor of Michigan. That was Marie Antoinette? My mistake. Yeah. <laughs> that was Queen, what's her name? What's her name in Michigan? Queen Gretchen. Queen Gretchen, yeah. Let I thought that was cake. Queen Gretchen. I, you um, know, Marie Antoinette, yeah, Queen Gretchen, I get them confused. The price of bread became so expensive, people were spending like a day's wages on it. It became something you couldn't afford to eat. Right. Right. This is what happens. I mean, you know, if you look at like the Weimar Republic or actually maybe a better example, remember when Zimbabwe's dollars just went like total, totally crazy? I mean, you'd literally get paid in a wheelbarrow of money and like to run to the store and spend it because it's like losing value while you're running with your wheelbarrow of money to the store because like prices are changing so fast. Like it's ridiculous. Look at the, you know, you've seen the image of, of that Snopes said was false because I forget why they said it was false. Oh, oh I, I know the money. Yeah. 
It was yeah. the money in Venezuela blowing around in the street because it's worth nothing. Yeah, there's like a picture of money in the gutter in Venezuela because it's worth nothing. And Snopes said the picture was false because uh, the caption with the picture said it was because of socialism. And Snopes said, well, it's true that that is a picture of current day Venezuela and that is money and the money is worthless and it is in the street. That's all true. But uh, the caption says it's socialism and it's not that. So thank you, for Snopes. Um, <laughs> Pelosi, way, Pelosi chat, said, sorry, wait, let wait, them eat it, ice it, cream. It, it, I just want Anthony and chat corrected me. It was a month's wages in France for a loaf of bread. Oh, well, that's totally reasonable. You should retract everything you just said then, Carrie. Yeah. I mean, that puts things in perspective. It's crazy. (laughs) It's only a month's wages. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. I'm saying it's worse than I said. It's more than a day. Oh, I thought you said it was a month's wages for a loaf of bread. What were you saying it was? No. Okay. Calm it's down. A month. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I can't calm down. This is crazy. So it's a month's wages to get a loaf of bread. It's a month's wages to get a loaf of bread. Yeah. But how much was cake? How much mm-hmm. was cake? So yeah, I mean, look. Here's the here's the stat. I just want to for also for people who don't understand this. A lot of people are like, oh, this will never happen in the U.S. And the reason there's there's a reason why people say this, and I want you to understand why people say this will never happen in the U.S. Because there is a reason why economists are telling you, I don't know when this will happen, by the way, but there is a reason economists are telling you this will never happen in the U.S. And the reason for that is the U.S. is the reserve currency. Um, It's the international reserve currency. So other people, other countries use the dollar as its standard. Um, And so our, our thought process, our thought process here is, well, we can print as much money as we want because we're the reserve currency. So everything's priced with respect to us. So like if we inflate, it'll just trickle down to everyone else's money eventually. Um, and it won't hurt us really. That, that kind of lasts <laughs> until other countries realize you're just never going to pay the debt that you owe. You're just going to print your way out of debt, right? You can print your way out of debt. If you owe a billion dollars, but also a printing press, <laughs> well, you can be like, yes, I will print you a billion dollars. You print your billion dollars and you pay them a billion dollars and you've paid your debt off, right? That doesn't actually accomplish what the creditor thought it was going to accomplish. They lent you money. They actually want value back, right? But you just inflated your currency, printed a billion dollars and gave it to them. Um, that's what we're doing to other countries. Um, China's one of the countries. China's got a lot of problems, but China's one of our largest creditors. So... That's what we're doing to other countries. And this economy, this international disruption is certainly getting people to think more locally and nationalistically. And so at some point, uh, and that point might be soon because, you know, at the 2008-2009 crash, which also was caused by the government, to be clear, the 2008-2009 crash, we were at least saying, there were at least people on mainstream like CNBC saying, well, can we just print forever? I mean... That seems like eventually it's a bad idea, right? Like, at least they were acknowledging that, like, this quantitative easing can't really last forever. Now, not even an acknowledgement. Now it's just, like, more cocaine at the party. That's what's going on. And I think if you're on the outside right now looking at the United States and you're a creditor, you've got to be asking yourself, like, oh, they're not even pretending that they're going to pay us back ever. They're not even pretending anymore. There's no, there's no fundamental law of physics that says the U.S. dollar has to be the reserve currency of the world. Uh, so at some point. 
What's going to happen when it's not? Because somebody else in chat said that we're not going to be the reserve currency for we, we're still the reserve currency for now. What happens after? Like, I, again, you're speaking to someone who I'm completely ignorant on the subject. Is it cryptocurrency? Is it China? Uh, like what? Well, I don't know what will get replaced. What's um, your opinion? Well, I, I can have an opinion about what the dollar will do. The dollar will. Plummet. I know what the dollar's going to do. I'm going to be wiping yeah. my butt with it. I'm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I don't. I don't know what will replace it. Uh, I mean, typically, typically when there's stuff like this, you you invest in commodities or things like gold and silver or whatever because they they're they're they have use, so they're stable. Um, and so, you know, now if you had invested in gold for the past you know decade or so, you might be disappointed. Your returns weren't as high. It didn't go up as long, but it's kind of stable, right? I think I think if you look at like the price of a three-piece suit in gold hasn't changed for like 200 years or 150 years. Like, there's like, it's pretty stable. So people f tend to flee to things that they perceive as stable. Some people perceive Bitcoin as stable. Um, some people don't. So uh, that depends. There's not, there isn't really other current, there aren't really other currencies that I'm aware of. I'm not an expert here, but I don't think there's a lot of other currencies backed by gold. If there was a currency backed by gold, I think people would free flee to that. There's something called... Um, Crap. I think the IMF has some sort of like basket of currencies thing that they were trying to push. I don't know if that still exists that people might flee to. Um, so I don't know. I'm not an economist. I don't know exactly what's going to happen, but uh, oh. don't be in the dollar when it happens. <laughs> I have to say, uh, Q, Q wrist in the chat says, at least the dollar is made of cloths. So you, you can wash it out and wipe again. <laughs> oh. oh, so wait, I, I, I'm corrected. There is a use for the Federal Reserve. <laughs> and, uh, so this is what, uh, you know, there'll never be a toilet paper shortage again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Fed's taking care of that. There'll definitely never be a toilet paper shortage. Yeah, I, I, you know, here's my concern, though. And this is, they're going to blame, they're going to blame capitalism, Carrie. They're going to, they always do it. They're going to blame capitalism. Uh it's just but what another... is it? It's corruption and cronyism. It's always cronyism. It's always government. It's always cronyism. This, if you look at the two thousand eight two thousand nine crash, uh, you had basically banks being strong armed to give bad loans. You had like you had a bunch of government involvement that led to uh, crappy loans. And frankly, uh, then you had a bailout, and you have people. You know, I saw someone characterize capitalism as this before. And this is not correct, but this is kind of what people perceive capitalism to be. So I'm going to say it. Uh, they said, well, capitalists, they say, well, I had a good year, so I keep my profits. Well, I had a bad year, so you bail me out. That's capitalism, right? Like, well, no, that's not capitalism, but that is what you're being told capitalism is. And that is what you're being told capitalists are. Um, you're being told that they are people who just get bailed out with your dollars when they fail. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I almost want to give up on the term capitalism, although... I love it, so I haven't given up on it. But none of this is none of this is uh, capitalism. So, Ian Ian says New Bretton Woods. I don't know if there'll be a new. Uh, yeah, who knows? Um, what's that? Well, I mean, there's agreement on on gold standard basically, and like having to you know back a currency with gold standard. So the U.S. didn't come off the gold standard instantaneously. It took like, oh, we're going to be seventy percent backed, and then you know they. They dialed it back. And then Nixon, I think, I think it was Nixon who eventually, 
killed it. And here's the thing. Here's why. You got to understand why they do this. Um, this is all about, just like social justice, this is all about power. Politicians want to promise things to you. They want an unlimited checkbook because with an unlimited checkbook, checkbook, they can get elected. We'll do this. We'll do that. We'll do this for these people. We'll give you money. We'll do that. Like, that's what they want. They want unlimited resources. Now, of course, unlimited resources are not real. You can't have unlimited resources. That's not how the world works. So um, what happens is you get, quote, economists, and I guess we can throw AOC into the bucket of economists who would do this. You get economists who come up with things like modern monetary theory or whatever. They come up with theories, uh, and Keynesianism is, is part of the, the, the classic one, that, that can be used by politicians to justify doing things that would otherwise be obviously stupid economically. So they'd be like, well, actually, uh, production doesn't matter. Really what matters is consumption. Uh, because why? I don't know. Because... How much you consume is somehow a measure of your economy. That makes no sense, right? Human desires are unlimited. You'll consume as much as is available to produce. The measure of economy's success is production. They flip it on their head. They talk about, well, it's consumption. And then they say things like, well, we can just print money later. We can print money. Um, and we can kind of print money indefinitely. Don't worry. Uh, and, you know, they, they demonize things like deflation, I say, well, you don't want deflationary effects. Deflation's very bad. Why? Why is deflation bad? Is deflation bad because your bread costs less? Because it's cheaper for you to live? How's that bad? Right? Um, they, they invent theories that enable politicians to justify basically spending unlimited amounts of money. Um, and actually, when the Federal Reserve, I think, was originally created, there was no... There was a... Um, they were there was at first they weren't there wasn't allowed to be uh, federal debt and then they had to have a debt ceiling and then they now we effectively don't even have a debt ceiling it's all because they just want to print money and um, and use it to control you and so if you tell if you're a politician and you and like hey any economist who can justify my power grab through some economic theory. You'll get a position in my cabinet, or you'll get, you know, we'll promote you to some power, you know, powerful position. Well, you've got plenty of economists who are willing to, you know, to do that. And so, and you have people who sincerely believe it at this point. You've got uh, generations of people who totally believe that you never pay the piper, that the cocaine party can go on forever. You just keep sniffing your coke, keep <coughs> printing the money, and, you know kick the can down the road, there'll never be any consequences to your behavior. But that's not how reality works. Um, I don't know when the consequences will be. Keith the Hat Guy says, the dollar had the same valuation from 1787 to 1913. So think about that. The dollar was worth the same from 1787 to 1913. The Federal Reserve was created in 1913. The dollar has since lost 95% of its value. Yeah. And by yeah. the way, if you think about what it does is it punishes savers. The politicians hate savers um, because they want that money out in circulation, right? They want they don't want money saved. Um, in fact, they love when you well, don't save money, and then a rainy day comes and there's a disaster, and you need them for something. Like they don't like you savers. You need them. They don't like savers, yeah. and they don't like. I mean, well, this is just the 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 um, as you talk about corruption and stuff in general. Our culture doesn't we're, right now like savers, and they also don't like 
we've talked about this before about crappy products that you buy that aren't meant to last. They want you to buy over and over. And you've got cell phone companies like iPhones that with with planned obsolescence where they're forcing you to buy new iPhones every few years because theirs quit working. It's like nothing is built to last anymore and you're not meant to have something <clears throat> forever, you know. Yeah, I buy mean it once. Yeah. I, I don't know if that problem would exist. I don't know how much that I don't even know. I usually blame government on stuff. I don't really know if that's a government problem or if that's just people want, like they don't care and they'll, they'll buy replacement iPhones. I mean, companies will totally do that if they can get away with it. Um, it depends on, you know, there's no law of economics or free markets that says that the products that companies produce will be good. <laughs> the law is like, it's the products that companies produce will be what you want. If you want an iPhone that goes obsolete yeah. in three years, that's what you're going to get. Uh, if you don't want that, stop buying them. And and they will change, but apparently you do want that, so well because you're buying them. So, uh, you know, so a couple people in chat have said, <laughs> give up on the term capitalism, use free free markets. Elva Caro says, refer to capitalism as private property rights. Yeah, saying private property rights or free markets might be better better than the term capitalism because capitalism has this connotation, uh, unearned connotation of uh, cronyism. Thank you for the economics. I'm briefing. sorry, Carrie. I'm being, I know. I know. I'm being serious. Hey, let me talk. Okay. <laughs> I'm being serious. Thank you for the economics talk. I do appreciate it. And in chat, Amanda Weiberg says, I'm such a lurker. Such a lurker. Hi. But your econ talk has me fired up and I'm having flashbacks to university. Strap in because here comes stagflation. Right. So people are enjoying it. Yeah. And Stephen Landau, thank you for the $5 super chat. Right. Stagflation is, is inflation uh, with unemployment, which, according to certain theories, is never supposed to happen. Uh, but <sighs> there's, there's my sigh, your sigh which means my sigh. I don't know what to, I don't know what else to say. I, 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 I'm, oh, I, I we could go on economy stuff forever. So I'll, I'll okay, stop. I have a question for you somewhat related to economy. Okay. So um, what is your take on the recent Bitcoin halving that happened. Hmm. And what do you think is going to, ha going to happen with Bitcoin? What's your prediction about Bitcoin in the next six months? Tell me when it's right. going to go up. Okay. Um, <laughs> kidding. I don't know. I mean, look, uh, I have mixed feelings about, I have Bitcoin, obviously, and I was a crypto guy for a while. Uh, before it was cryptocurrency, I was a crypto guy. Um, Bitcoin... I'll do the I'll do the pros and cons of Bitcoin. The pro to Bitcoin is uh, there actually is a limited supply of Bitcoin. Um, it halves every roughly four years. It asymptotically approaches the final number, and then there's no more Bitcoin in the world. Unlike the federal dollar, <laughs> which, as we've seen, there is no limit to how much <laughs> we are willing to print of Federal Reserve notes. So in that sense, you could argue, and people do, uh, by the way, Ian Burns in chat, thank you for the super chat, by the way, Ian says, don't, don't discapitalism, the car alarm will get you. Yeah, my car alarm has been going off during the middle of our show sometimes, I don't know why, but my wife runs out and turns it off. Anyway, uh, so in that sense, Bitcoin has a limited supply, quote, limited supply, um, compared to the dollar. 
but similar to the dollar, it's not backed by anything. There's no intrinsic value. Also, um, Bitcoin doesn't have any use, right? So gold has use, like dollars can all evaporate. Like gold actually has industrial use. It has use um, in jewelry. It has use, like people use gold. It has value. It's a commodity. Um, and so typically for money, you want some kind of commodity. And for convenience, what we would do is we would use that commodity to back something like the dollar so that we could exchange, because it's harder to exchange gold than dollars. So you would back the dollar with gold. Uh, we've, obviously, we've stopped backing the dollar with gold. So that makes the dollar you know, technically worthless. Um, the, so Bitcoin, on the one hand, is, is limited, more limited the federal, than Federal Reserve notes. Uh, on the other hand, it doesn't have anything backing it. It's also not limited in the sense that uh, anyone could, you know, it could be that Bitcoin dies and Ethereum takes over or whatever. Like there's other cryptocurrencies that could theoretically take the place. Bitcoin's not, does not, Bitcoin itself does not lend itself to transactional use at all. Uh, the blockchain can't support massive transactions. There's no way, for example, that Visa will, you know, switch to Bitcoin. That just can't happen uh, technically. Um, so Bitcoin can, no way, can in no way sustain the volume of transactions that we have. However, I have some Bitcoin. I like Bitcoin generally, uh, at least a little bit, um, because of all the cryptocurrencies, I think Bit I view Bitcoin as the two things. It's the it's one. It's the thing that people use to invest in the idea of cryptocurrency generally and hold on to it. Um, it's also the thing that it's also the vehicle by which people enter and exit cryptocurrency <clears throat> markets generally. You convert. You don't go from. Let's say you want to buy. Uh, I don't know, Ripple. I don't know if Ripple even still exists. You don't go directly from dollars to Ripple. You go through Bitcoin. Um, Bitcoin's generally the on-ramp for, for many people. So, you know, it has some function there in the crypto world. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to do. I have some. I'm just kind of going to hold on to it. Um, it's the halving thing. I think it was, uh, I think the halving was priced into Bitcoin a while ago. So I don't, you know, everyone's like, it's going to go up. It's going to go down. I think mostly it didn't change much because the halving was priced in. People knew when Bitcoin halved the last time, uh, it, it, the environment wasn't as sophisticated. Let's just put it that way. The investing environment around Bitcoin was nowhere near as sophisticated as it is now. So, uh, you know, things, it, it jumped and, and stuff happened and, you know, uh, now, now Bitcoin has got all of the, the heft of Wall Street and AI and, and hyper trading and hedging and futures and like everything. There's a sophisticated market around Bitcoin. So stuff like the halving is just built, it's built in. It's already, it's, it's, it's it was anticipated. Um, I don't know where it is right now, probably a little under $10,000. I think it's been like that for a little while. Um, I don't know. I, I like Bitcoin, but I, it's not... My favorite thing about it is is the libertarian aspect of it. Theoretically, cryptocurrencies you could operate outside of the reach of governments. Bitcoin not so much, but you know Monero or some of these private C coins, which I think governments are trying to outlaw generally. Um, but at the end of the day, here's the problem, and this is this is a problem I've always had with cryptocurrencies, and I'm always nervous about. And, and maybe this problem will be overcome. I'm not trying to be a naysayer. At the end of the day, you have to buy a physical good. You got to buy a house or you got to go to the store and buy a steak or whatever it is. Yes. When you do that, a man with a gun will point it at you and force you to pay taxes. <laughs> like, 
as long as you want a society where there's a an authority with guns forcing them to do stuff, they will. They're forcing you to wear masks right now. You think they can't force you to pay taxes on your Bitcoin? Um, and uh, you know, Bitcoin's very traceable. It's not like you can hide your activity with Bitcoin. The, the blockchain is a perfect ledger. That's what it is. So. You know, yeah, theoretically anonymous, but it ceases to be anonymous when you put money into Bitcoin and when you take money out and buy something. So, uh, you know, the, the the sad thing about Bitcoin is it was like this libertarian thing early on, and I loved it for that. Now it's just another investment tool, and who the hell knows? And I don't know. And and I and I think it's been very it's become very clear to me that tools, while necessary, perhaps to leave the the control of the government while they are necessary they're not sufficient bitcoin itself is not going to cause a libertarian revolution um, it maybe is a it maybe it's a necessary tool uh, so i definitely recommend being familiar with crypto having some crypto um even transacting in it i've like i've bought stuff with crypto if you can transact in it you know be aware of it but don't take your life savings and throw it in bitcoin it's extremely volatile uh who knows who knows sorry that was very long and not very helpful. What if you already took your life savings and put it in Bitcoin? Take it out of Bitcoin. <laughs> <laughs> Take some of it out of Bitcoin and put it in gold or something. Like uh, I like, you know, I'm not a, I'm not an investment guy. So like, don't take investment advice from me. But like, I like gold stocks. I like mines um, for 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 your conservative like, and like uh, if you're hedging that things are going to fall apart. Uh, I prefer, I prefer commodity stocks and that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, there's a, there's a conversation in chat about tobacco and liquor. I don't know why there's a conversation, but it might be related to what happens when, uh, it might be related to what happens during economic downturns, which generally is the sin industries do well. Actually, that's not true. Not all sin industries. What generally happens during economic downturns, if you're planning for this, which you should be, um, cheap escapism does well. <laughs> so, uh, alcohol has always been a good cheap escapism thing. Uh, so, you know, I don't know that, uh, Don Perignon will do well, but Stoli will do well, <laughs> right? Like <laughs> something that will get you, uh, alter your state of mind cheaply will absolutely, uh, do well. Um, yeah, someone's someone's arguing Dash is good. Yeah, Dash is good. Um, there's a few others. I mean, and, you know. the other thing that's good is I think um, obviously am, ammo and firearms; those retain their value. And always buy ammo and firearms. That just, just that's like saying buy food to me, Carrie. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but uh, trucks trucks retain a lot of their value, and. Uh, yeah, there's a couple different things. I don't know. My mom put a bunch of money into uh, dolls when I was a child. <laughs> and uh, the idea being that they would be worth something later. Those Madame Alexander collectible dolls. Were they? Uh, I wasn't allowed to play with them. I had to lock them in a cabinet because you had to keep them pristine, right? But are so they, they were, were they worth something? Did it work? No. So I have all of them now. My dad brought them to my house and I'm trying to sell them. <laughs> And they're worth less now than they were in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
she showed you. <laughs> Don't put your money in dolls, guys. Uh, in general, it's a good idea to diversify. Um, so, you know, if you're looking for stuff to do, I wouldn't put all your money in anything. Um, but I would be, you know, but I would be aware. Look, there are people who are going to make a bunch of money in uh, in the short term over stocks and stuff. In, in, in like in stocks that are crappy. Uh, because, you know, th those people are really good at kind of, you know, the value of the market is what people think the value of the market is. So I, I don't know when timing is going to be. For all I know, it could go up 10x before it crashes. Who knows? Um, all I know is that over time, you can't print your way out of depression. And, that, and, that, and that's what we're doing. So I don't know what will happen. I don't know when. And which is why I don't like kind of making economic predictions because I just, I, I just don't know. Um, but I do know that your grandkids are going to look back on this and go, yeah, I mean, unless you already have grandkids. But, you know, <laughs> a couple of generations from now, we're going to look back and go, really? We thought we could just print our way out of, <laughs> out of this? How dumb were we? They gave Paul Krugman a Nobel Prize? How dumb were we? Uh, I, that question will be asked. But when it will be asked? I don't know. And people like Paul Krugman don't care because he'll be dead. And, uh, you know. The elites don't. The elites don't care. They have enough actual valuable stuff that they don't care. They're, they'll be fine. They don't. They don't give a crap about you. Uh, you know, Trump's talking about negative interest rates being a good thing, which is which is ridiculous. Which is stupid, right? And 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 the reason Trump thinks that way is because Trump Trump's constantly in debt. He's a business guy who takes out massive loans to do. Uh, to do construction projects like that's he lives in debt that's how his businesses operate which is normal for construction i think like he takes out big loans and does projects like so for him the idea of negative interest rates are great there's like this gift i think he called them a big gift we should we should be happy about the gift of negative interest rates but uh someone's paying for that gift doofus uh the person lending the money like do you want to lend money to someone and actually have to pay them to hold your money that's what negative interest rates means. It makes absolutely no sense. It's not a gift. Uh, so, you know, but I guess if you're the guy taking loans, it's great. It's just really bad to save any money. So. <clears throat> so can I switch gears here before we wrap up and talk yeah, please, about something please. a little different and uh, personal to our community and personal to me? I sent you some screenshots of uh -oh. this uh, Instagram channel called carpet grub on signal on signal are, the, are these the ones grub. you sent me the other yesterday yes okay I'll, so, I'll get them while you're talking well i'm yeah i'll give you the background on this we did an interview with um marie busky who if you guys haven't watched it it's a i really enjoy getting to talk to her she's in chat today marie is um she's a she owns a yarn business in new zealand called skeins s-k-e-i-n-z i've learned how to say that word now skeins uh, yarns and she also runs one of the biggest yarn events in new zealand called knit august nights um and she's been under attack by sjw's for quite a while now you can hear her whole story in that interview but a lot of it had to do with her being friends with a uh, sockmetician who they picked as a target and um <clears throat> refusing to bend the knee like they want you to do apologize for imaginary sins uh and uh, you know, she didn't comply with this, with these bullies. She didn't comply with this ideology. And so they've had a target on her back for a while now. 
um, and they started using the um, they started using the circumstances of the pandemic and the government lockdown there to bully her further. They called the police on her. They tried to get her shut down, um, even online. So um, a- after we aired our interview, it's nothing new for her. I, I really admire her just sort of being like, yeah, same old, same old. But they've continued to harass her. They are sending because her company is. Um, She's one of several owners, from what I understand. They've been sending letters um, trying to drive a wedge between her and her um, uh, fellow owners. They've been attacking her. And in a lot of these attacks, I've read some of them, um, they, they, they do what – you guys will be familiar with this because you've watched this channel for a while. We've talked about this. You've seen the bullying ha- that happens in the SJW world. But if you're new to this channel – this might be new to you, but they, they, they basically just like earlier, we were talking about these people making up lies about Blair White and Mike Carlo. They just say things. They don't, they never offer any evidence for it. They call her hateful. They call her a bully. They project all the things that they are. They are racist. They are sexist. They project it. And they, the people they're attacking, they say that about them without offering evidence. Look, when I say SJW ideology is racist and sexist, I'm fully prepared and able to explain why. And you often um, do. Just to and be I often do. I go through the trouble of explaining it each time I talk about it, usually just in case there's new people watching. It is racist and sexist because it tells you to take an entire, to judge people based on what race, racial group they're in, what sex group they're in, to judge them as a member of a collective instead of as an individual. So that their character, their behavior, their intent, their words, none of that matters. All that matters is what racial group they're in and what their sex is. That, that is a sexist and racist belief system. Yet they tell people who are in it, and I was in it for 20 years that they're fighting sexism and racism. And so they go out, they accuse everyone else of the things they do and the things they believe. They accuse everyone else of racism and sexism. They never offer evidence of it. And in these posts you put up, um, here are the posts they ca- for people who haven't seen. Yeah, it. they call us and they've been doing this repeatedly. So this, this channel on Instagram carpet grab, uh, they do this guilt by association thing. So it's not enough that they're they're calling her things that she's not serious accusations that they don't back up. Um, they also try to just throw in lump by association. Oh, she was on an alt-right channel. They say um, she has been appearing on interviews with alt-right American vlog podcasts. Do you know who they're talking about? That's us. <laughs> they're, talking about they're talking about us. Yeah. Um, but isn't it funny? They don't tell anybody who the channel is because, oh man, we, they wouldn't want you to actually go and look at any of our videos and decide for yourself if that's an accurate representation. Like they don't, they don't say anything about who it is. Um, because again, just like when I was in this cult, there were people and channels and things that were off limits. You're not allowed. You're not supposed to. They put up all of this, um, social pressure where you're not allowed to actually investigate things on your own and come up with your own opinions. You're just told what to believe. And I'm ashamed to say I believed a lot of stuff about people, about about comedians, about commentators, about authors, about um, people whose books I never read, whose videos I never watched, whose lectures I never watched, and authors whose books I like. I just I never engaged with the source material. I just believed what they told me to believe, and I repeated it as if it was my own opinion. I would say things like, since we mentioned him earlier, I'll use Stephen Crowder as an example, conservative comedian. I probably tweeted things. Who knows? But I would say things about how he was a sexist and a racist. 
what was that based on? Was it based on me interacting with his material and coming to that conclusion? No, but I believed it in my heart and I repeated that. And Jordan Peterson talks about how those things are lies. That's a form of lying. You are speaking someone else's opinion. You don't even realize you're a puppet for someone yeah. else's belief. And you haven't done the work to go check it out yourself. And the people who are attacking us and attacking Marie and attacking people like Mike and Blair, they're saying things that they know are not true. They're saying we're hateful or alt-right or, uh, you know, that Blair's, you know, they're making up fake, they're faking messages from Blair saying she's a racist. They know these things are not true, but they rely on you, the people who follow them, not to investigate it yourself, not to form your own opinion. You're their yeah. little cult followers. They don't encourage you to go out. We, we encourage you all the time, go out and watch things. If you're going to have an opinion, you should take the time to make sure it's your own opinion. They don't want you to do that. And in fact, I've seen in some of their groups where um, the ones who are the leaders, the cult leaders post stuff like this and all of the little followers say, oh, I couldn't bring myself to watch that interview. Oh, I just could like 90% of them haven't watched it. They're all talking about how much they hate it. They're calling me horrible and whatever. Call Marie names. I think you you escaped. No, actually, so Marie, oh. so, uh, Marie sent me, she said, it, you might think you escaped, <laughs> but Marie sent me a thing that was like, you didn't actually escape, and she forwarded me a message. <laughs> oh, actually, so you this got is, called something too. Well, it's good to actually see what they do. So she, this person writes, this is person writing to Marie, but the element that really worries me is your involvement with known alt-right people. So known alt-right, known by whom to be alt-right? I guess the writer has decided that they're known. Known makes it sound like there's a, it's like accepted in society. Like everyone knows they're known alt-right. We're not known at all, let alone known alt-right. We're not known. So, but anyway, known alt-right people. And then this person writes, it's a she. Then this person writes, were you aware the male podcaster has written analysis of the Christchurch Shooters Manifesto? Yes, I have. Uh, go read it. Um, and that he reinforces some of his ideologies? Kind of. Uh, yeah. I, 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 broke, I went down, I broke down his manifesto and I said, here's how he uses some truths and then some non-truths and mixes them up and convinces people to do bad things and why you shouldn't do that. That's what I said. If that is reinforcing some of his ideologies, well, that's, a, that's one way to put it, I guess. That's like saying like, well, you know, uh, you wrote an article that, that said Adolf Hitler likes to eat breakfast cereal. And you also like to eat breakfast cereal. I'm like, yeah, uh, okay. I, am I reinforcing eating breakfast cereal? Maybe, but that's not the crux of, I wasn't reinforcing the shooting. I wasn't reinforcing the behavior, but that's, she makes it sound like, oh, I'm embracing this. And by the way, the article is very long and it's very nuanced. And I'm sure very, this person hasn't even read it. By so. the way, it's very, um, it's actually, here's, here's an analogy. It's like saying, don't look at the reasons why uh, people, what you did in that article is you looked at this person who did this evil thing and you tried to make it understandable about how a person gets there. This is why I'm fascinated by true crime. And this is like saying, don't look at someone like Susan Smith, for example, who murdered her children. Don't look at that and try to understand what led a person there. Because if you do, then you're 
sympathizing with her and you think it's cool what she did. No, that's not the case at all. In fact, right. you think it is evil right. what she did. That's why you're trying to break down what leads a person there. They, they, they right. are, they are, it's like childlike reasoning with these people. And it's I think not, it's it doesn't purposeful. even count as reasoning. Yeah. It's no, not I, reasoning. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. And it's, you know, and that's the reason I wrote the article, right? Because I recognize that other people were going to read this manifesto and I didn't want them to make the same errors and follow his logic. Yes. So I was like, okay, let's follow his logic and let's see where it diverges from actual reasoning. And like, let's see, let's find out, let's peel apart the parts that led him to do this thing. So you don't go down that road. Um, but of course, and so then they say about us, or they have had known transphobic people on their show. I don't know who's, is it? I don't know, Linda Blade, who's known transphobic, people who don't oh, like... Oh, no, they probably, they probably Mikey? think... And by the way, I don't know. by the way, I want to challenge that, first of all, on its face. Nobody in our show has been transphobic. Um, you don't of like the fact, you don't like the fact that we have talked to people like Megan Murphy and people like Linda Blade, who believe that biological sex is a real thing, because it is a real thing. And <laughs> right. you can support trans people. Here's the thing, again, they create this false dichotomy where they're like, you either agree with everything our cult says and you speak our lies, you speak our lies that like biological sex doesn't exist or you're transphobic. That's BS. And right. as, since we've mentioned her in this podcast, there are many trans people who don't agree with you, who don't agree with your crazy freaking ideology. Blair White doesn't agree with you. You don't speak for her. And what do you guys do? You fake you fake messages from her because you can't stand the fact that you don't own trans people and you don't, and you don't get to call people again, calling someone a transphobe when they're not and they have no they have no animosity towards trans people. They have an animosity. You know what they have an animosity towards? You, your ideology, your SJW ideology. You don't speak for any of these groups you claim to speak for. You you speak for yourself. You have false false um what you say about your ideology is false and you can anybody can look at your actions and see that it doesn't match up with your words. I'm sorry I'm going on a bit of a No, rant, no, you're right. Just, isn't there a, isn't there a Bible verse you can quote about the devil being deceitful or something? I don't know. No, I, I, like, I just want to bring this yeah. home with like, here's the thing. It's, thank you for reading what they said about you too. But um, they've gone out of their way to, uh, to, to malign people who don't agree with their cult beliefs. Um, they attack their character. They say horrible things about them. Calling someone a racist and a white supremacist and a transphobe and all this stuff, this is like one of the worst things you could say about someone. In fact, you say it because you know that we're not and it would bother us to be thought that way. Um, but it doesn't it doesn't truly concern me because I know anybody can we have a ton of content here. Any rational, non-biased person can watch it and come to their own conclusion. And I do believe behavior is more important than what you say. And if you look at their behavior and you look at how they treat people, they treat trans people and women and gay people and black people and people of color. They treat them all as if they're a monolithic group, that they all have to have the same opinion, that their sex and their race and their sexuality, that, that, that dictates their opinion. That is a racist, a sexist, um, homophobic belief. Those are yep. their beliefs reflect their actions their actions and their behavior and the way they treat people, they, that belies what they actually believe. Um, and, and any of these people who call these names, it's, it's like, they don't put, they say we're an alt-right channel. They don't put us in there because 
they don't put our name in there because God forbid someone come and watch our videos. And, and just like I used to avoid Steven Crowder, you know, they want you to avoid this channel, but I challenge any of those people. Um, look, if you weren't such a coward, like you would, I don't know, you would tag us, you would have, you would have engagement with us beyond, uh, like empty name calling, right? Cowardly empty name calling behind this bag. Yeah, the late the latest thing that they're doing, I'm just going to read one more sentence because it's not about me and it's not about you and it's not specifically about our podcast. This sentence to me really sums up, um, not sums up, but th this is a, we've seen this argument before and it is uh, getting more popular. The freedom of speech movement is aligned with the alt-right which is really just a different way of saying white supremacists. So what they, what social justice warriors are doing is anyone who touts freedom of speech is now they can now call them white supremacists. They've decided that the freedom of speech movement aligns itself with the alt-right and it's just another way, that's just another way of saying white supremacists. So when you're getting called a white supremacist or alt-right, <clears throat> that what they're really saying about you is you believe in freedom of speech. Yeah, That's the, what the, the, again, think, look at how empty what they say is like they're trying to now, um, which we know they've been doing for a while. They are they support censorship. They're against the freedom of speech. They're authoritarians. Authoritarians support censorship. They don't be allowed. They don't believe you should be allowed to speak your own opinions and beliefs. So they have to make freedom of speech appear to be this boogie, some evil thing, right? Just like they changed the definitions of racism and sexism. They have to attack freedom of speech. And you're right. I've started to see this more often now. I've started to see them say, like they try to say, like things are dog whistle. Oh, anybody's saying freedom of speech. Yeah, Maria says freedom of speech is a dog whistle in chat. Yeah. Yeah, dog whistle. You know what? If you are hearing dog whistles, consider that you're the dog. I've said that before, but like... <laughs> Only you are hearing them, dude. When I say freedom of speech, it's exactly what I'm talking about is freedom of speech. And by the way, freedom of speech is what led to the progress we've had. If we didn't have freedom of speech, you wouldn't you wouldn't see all the uh, gains that have been made for these marginalized groups that you claim to care so much about. Like women, without freedom of speech, we wouldn't be where we're at today. And now you well, want I mean, to take like, that away. I, like, I just, just ha like know a tiny bit of history. Every single authoritarian regime in all of history, of all of the authoritarian regimes, correct me if I'm wrong in chat, because I'm not the world's history expert, but as far as I know, exactly zero supported the freedom of speech. <laughs> zero authoritarian regimes supported the freedom of speech. The freedom of speech is one of the first things to go with authoritarian regimes. So, uh... The idea that freedom of speech is some sort of white supremacist, alt-right authoritarian thing. The reason that they say that is because they're afraid of the freedom of speech. And they're afraid of the freedom of speech because they're afraid of ideas. Because they know their ideas suck. Their ideas suck. Their ideas are evil. They're stupid. They are low IQ. When confronted with anyone, any other idea, when anyone has a chance to say anything contradictory, it makes social justice warriors look like absolute morons. So they are terrified of the freedom of speech. They don't want people to speak because you might hear an idea that demonstrates just how stupid social justice warriors are. And they are, I don't mean IQ, but I mean their ideology is 
their ideology is the bottom of the barrel, worst, most idiotic, most authoritarian ideology you can possibly think of. And they're afraid of having anyone point anything out like that. They don't want freedom of speech. They don't want you to see that someone that's transgender doesn't agree with them like Blair White. They don't want you to see that a black person disagrees with them about Trump or Obama or whatever. They don't want you to see any of this. And it doesn't take much to, to demonstrate their idiocy. That's why they're terrified of the freedom of speech. If they had good ideas, they would say what we say, which is, bring it on. Let's debate. Yeah, but they never will. They never will. I know you're not as interested in speaking to SJWs as I am, but part of me is like, I would be interested and fascinated in doing it because it would be like speaking to my younger self. <laughs> um, if right. any of these, if any of these cowards had the guts to uh, come on our channel, like I would talk to them. I'm know. not sure I, I would, would give them a platform on our channel, but maybe I would certainly talk to them. I'm not afraid to talk to them if they're if they've got if they've got followers and want to come on. Sure, yeah. Um, Lil Res Boy in chat says they are not morons. They are different and they have their truth. Before, <laughs> therefore, they can never be wrong. Yeah, that's a whole philosophy discussion we can have on that one, low-res boy. And by the way, when I say they're, it's dumb and, and low IQ, I don't mean that they have low IQs. Some of these people are actually, as I've used the analogy, the car analogy in the past, I've used the analogy that IQ is the engine of the car. Some of these people have very good high-performing engines. They, they can be very smart. But uh, when I say the ideas are low IQ, what I mean is, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to debunk them, right? It's very yeah. obvious, right? Like, oh, all black people should support Obama. It's pretty clear to show that that's racist. <laughs> like, you know, you don't have to be, you, you don't need a degree in philosophy. The only reason you need a degree in philosophy is to try and justify that not being racist. You, you know, you need skills to tap dance around justifying that as a non-racist statement. You don't need a high IQ to be able to say, isn't that kind of racist? Like, that's pretty obvious. <clears throat> I just, I, I'm not sure who this is, but uh, I'm just going to read it because this is par for the course for them. Sure. Rib in chat says that they hounded uh, Amanda Jet, Jetty Knox um, off of Twitter. She's a wife to trans lesbian and a fierce trans ally. She was hounded off Twitter because of her, quote, cis privilege and her dun 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 successful book. Yeah, you, know, you can't have suicide. success is I just want to be clear though, Carrie. Success is uh success is white supremacy. So uh anyone who's successful <laughs> is a white supremacist. This is like that Portlandia <laughs> quote about where everything is to jail. Yeah, I love that like, quote. Yes. What are you doing? Successful book, white supremacy. To jail. Uh, yeah. Successful speech, book to jail. White supremacy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly like meritocracy that. white supremacy white supremacy being on time white supremacy, white supremacy. mass <laughs> white supremacy <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. you wear a mask before Laughter. the lockdown white supremacy you wear a mask after the lockdown you don't wear a mask after the lockdown white supremacy yeah it's all it's all white supremacy <laughs> what do you over your chicken white supremacy undercook your chicken yeah. white, white supremacy, supremacy. yeah <laughs> Thank you, Wombat of Doom, for the $2 uh, donation. I, I do like to rant sometimes, but I haven't been ranting lately. Uh, it's just, they're so dumb. 
And not again, not the engine <laughs> of the car, just the direction they're driving it. It's so their I'm map sorry, is so the dumb. Green socks, white supremacy. <laughs> yeah, yes, green socks, green socks, white supremacy. You actually, you guys, this is a funny game. Look up any word and add um, racism or white supremacy, and you'll pull up. You'll pull up. It will pull up SJW articles. I played this game before. I typed in <laughs> hiking racism and a bunch of sjw articles came out that talked about how hiking is racist <laughs> <laughs> well carrie uh i don't know if you know this but in well I mean, i'm sure you've seen this uh elsewhere in the bay area we're having community meetings to discuss how covid is uh is uh racist and how disproportionate numbers of uh, i guess i don't want to say minorities i'm not supposed to whatever Disproportionate numbers of minorities are uh, suffering, and this is proof of white supremacy. And um, and people are and the so you remember the Vox Day book I've talked about. Uh, SJWs always lie. One of Vox's rules is SJWs always double down. So what's happening in the COVID crisis, where you think like maybe they'll abandon some of their crazy ideas because you know they're worried about death or something, which obviously we Karen and I aren't that worried about. But uh, no, no, they're now complaining that like. Well, I think I read an article about this in Australia or New Zealand or something. They're, they're now complaining that, like, well, I see that uh, equality for women is only uh, a nice to have because it seems like the people keeping their jobs are doctors and also construction <laughs> workers, and they tend to be more male. And it's like, yeah, all right. So they're, they're complaining that the essential jobs that are listed, I guess, are more male and the non-essential jobs are... Uh, more female, which you can read into that, whatever you want. Uh, but uh, yeah, they're just, <laughs> they just want to complain. <sighs> uh, There's my Somebody song. in chat, a progressor in chat says he just tried my game with uh, board games. Yeah, I'm sure there's lots of articles about board games being white. Oh, yeah, there's got to be. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, there should, we, there's probably up. a website where they, they do this. You just generate yeah, sure random... <clears throat> random stuff um all right sorry you want to wrap it up carrie we can wrap it up um so uh well one last one wombat of doom yes. looked up polish wombat and racism and found an article about polish wombat being a racist slur <laughs> <laughs> seriously you can do it with anything unicorn racist look it up there's something i'm sure unicorns are racist somehow there's whatever. Yeah. There's an SJW who's written about it. <laughs> probably the word and the word problematic probably applies to everything as well. But problematic, yeah. yeah. Um, everything's racist. Everything's um, probably problematic. Okay, we are going to be picking a book club book soon. I'm sorry for the delay. Thanks for your patience. Um, waiting for the announcement of the new book. If you want to weigh in, go to the Facebook book club group and let us know your suggestions. Or just maybe we'll even talk us. about it after the show today, Carrie. Maybe yeah, we'll even work we'll talk about it. And um, thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, I want to plug, because we don't plug it nearly enough, but if you guys want to financially support us, we do have merchandise. We're going to be coming out with some more items soon. You can go to unsafespace.com to our shop page. Um, I have to say our t-shirts are really soft. I really like them. Um, we have the mugs coming soon for those of you who support us at the $25 subscription level or above. Um, and you can subscribe like financially if you want to donate something or even just a one-time tip or whatever. You can go to subscribestar.com to the unsafe space page um and, and by the way python want to help build something get in touch with carter 
Yeah, and if you like cryptocurrency, uh, mm. you can go down to safesuits.com and you can donate in Bitcoin or Ethereum, I think. Ether, you can do, I think you do Ethereum. Yeah, Bitcoin and Ethereum both, I think, are on the website. Um, so you can do that. <laughs> Someone just recommend, <laughs> recommended Tuesdays with Maury. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to make the list there. Uh, but thanks. I they were saying, thanks. play the game with that. Tuesdays with Maury. Oh, I like thought they were recommending it as a book club book. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> By the way, uh, I haven't, okay. I haven't, uh, I haven't announced this yet, but I am actually working on. There was some. Uh, there's been some interest, I think, in me doing a class on uh, logical reasoning. So I actually am working on the first class for that, and I'm, I think I'm going to do it if there's interest. Uh, I'm putting together a thing for the first class anyway, just in case. Uh, but it will be like multiple episodes i don't know how i would actually do it but if people are interested in it um email us at speak it on safe space and let me know uh, because uh there's just been a lot lately where it, there's been a lot of discussions lately where it seems like that might be helpful so um i think i think i'd like to do and if i if no one wants a class i'll just end up doing a presentation but um if you want a class let me know so all right thanks everyone We'll see you on Monday. Have a great weekend, and don't forget to forget your mask. Bye, guys. <laughs> Bye, Carrie.